right. Inappropriate Earl. We're live. Facebook Live. We're on Facebook Live. That's, that's Facebook Live. That's Facebook Live right there. We're SoundCloud and iTunes. And today I have a very special guest. He's someone that I see about twice a year. And we've seen each other for many years along the way. Over a decade. Over a decade. Oh, easily over a decade. Yeah. And you're always nice to me. Thanks. Yeah. I try to be nice to everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, we're just going to cut through the bullshit. <laughs> Mr. Chris Frangiola in the house. Yes. Excited to be here, Earl. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's, uh, you know, with someone like you, I was like, oh, he's too busy. He'll never do it. Yeah. Uh, People think that, but I'm really not that busy. Well, you're busier than I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I assume I'm busier than, than some, but not, you know, I'm sure there's much busier. Well, there's, uh, you know, there's not many busier than you. You're an actual working comic. Yeah. Uh, yes. I have been for quite some time now, which is amazing to me. And it's a tough road. You know, it's tough to be a working comic. Because how do you deal with... I mean, there's bullshit at all levels. It never stops. And I, I mean, you know, you've been in this game a long time. It gets old eventually, doesn't it? For me, it does just because I'm, um, I don't want to say I'm a good person, but uh, I just believe in uh, cutting through the the bullshit. And right, go, right. Okay, Chris Frangiola, he's funny. Let's book him. Yeah. But I find that even at your level of the business. Is, oh, man, it's still a, it's still a grind. Right, every like, every week, every you know, you just never know when it when it all ends. Yeah, it's like well, Chris is funny, but um, Joe Joe comic is repped by this agency. Yeah. So uh, it's taken me a while to realize that the best not don't don't get booked all the time. No, I mean, and you know, you, I think I don't know if you know how it is, but agencies will send out their entire sheet of comics to the clubs on the road. Say they're sending them out to the funny bone. You know, they'll send out their whole sheet. Here's who I have here. They're available. Uh, funny bones would just take that sheet. And I'll be like, I'll do my whole year on this agency alone. You know, right. here's Theo Vaughn, blah, 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 blah. And then they're done. You know, their year's done. So if you're not on that sheet, you're screwed. Yeah, and like you were, I think, the second most appeared person on Chelsea lately. Third, outside of Chelsea and Chewy. Chewy. Yeah, I was like, uh, yeah, I was on like 350 times or something. And that was, was crazy. I mean, that was a show everyone wanted to get on. It was the one, you know, I believe it was like the last show that really popped comedians. Um, I, I don't think even the Tonight Show or any of those does anymore. I don't know how you feel about that, but even at midnight, as much as I liked it, I don't think that blew people up the way Chelsea lately did. It was just the right time, you know, when that show hit. I don't think it would work today. Yeah, I mean, there's so much uh, comedy on television in terms of uh, like there's Kimmel, there's Conan, there's right. Fallon, there's Comedy Central, there's Netflix where I don't think anything breaks you anymore as a comic. Am I wrong? No, you're not. I agree. And, you know, there's 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 rare occasions like the Segoras and uh, Sebastians and those guys who have popped from like a, a Netflix special or, or, you know, Showtime. But other than that, I know guys who have five specials and they can't get booked anywhere. Yeah, you I know, mean, there's... We all know. You know them. I know them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's people who go on after me at the comedy store. Yeah. And when I say after me, that's about... <laughs> what time is that? That's the bewitching hour. I think the cleaning crew is <laughs> right, right. lining up in the yeah. back. And you're like the king of the comedy store. Like, that's your scene over there. 
I'm a weird king there, though. It's, uh, you know, it's the only club that's embraced me completely. Right. And uh, that's a good one to have embrace you. Like, it never embraced me. And I, I and I, I blame myself. I just was never, I never felt comfortable there. And that, you, I'm going back to the days where it wasn't as, as, as nice as it is now. Now, we're talking in the Tommy era. Yes. Well, right. Which I didn't even, I don't even know who, I, I wasn't that involved where I didn't even know who Tommy was. But I would go and do certain shows that people booked and whatever. And I always felt it to be just a too dark of a place for me. And uh, <laughs> you're not, yeah. you're not and wrong I, in your assessment. And I just did, like, that's not a life I need to lead. You know what I mean? I don't feel it's that way much anymore. I feel it's better now. I feel like there's some more, I don't know, better energy or whatever coming from it from like the Rogans and those guys. But back in the days where it was, you know, you know what I mean? Oh, it was. Uh, and know. it was empty, you know, like. There was there were four people in the main room at you know at eleven o'clock on a on a Wednesday. Yeah, I mean back in those days, I've seen Sebastian play in front of maybe twenty people. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know now he's you know playing in you know where he's playing packed theaters and it's just so weird. But that's the good thing about comedy, which I've always found, it is, you know, as long as you and I have both been in Los Angeles, it is the one business where you actually see the cream rise to the top. In most occasions, I do believe that. Yeah, so do I. I, I mean, I, I, they're the guys who I think have gotten to that level. I think are are there for a reason. They're good, you know. And and, and uh, there's not many of them that I see slip by where I'm like, oh, that guy got there. I mean, he didn't deserve that. I think most of them are, are where they should be. Yeah, I mean, there's a few that I've seen that you're like, well, geez, I just did a show with them and they bombed. And not that you base someone's you know, uh, whole career off of one show, you know, I've certainly bombed more than most. <laughs> As, and we all, I mean, still do, right? Oh, I still, uh, I bombed the other night at the comedy store, uh, yeah. which is like my, it's like Springsteen playing New Jersey. It's like, <laughs> right, right. I don't imagine him having a bad show yeah. there. Uh, and they just weren't on board with, uh, I was struggling. And yeah. I mean, when, when you were, I don't imagine you bombing, but. I do, I do. I still. Why? Uh, you, just, know, you don't connect? I don't connect. And I, and I blame myself. Sometimes I'll go up with a bad attitude. You know, it'll be whatever the case may be. You're in a city. When you're on the road, sometimes you, the city, you're just not into it. The hotel's bad. It's far from the club. All these things, you know, play a factor. There's nobody there. That always sucks when you walk in on Friday and, you know, they oh, we've got a quiet night tonight because... You know, the Buffalo Sabres are playing or some shit. So you're like, fuck. Well, that is a legitimate reason. I brought a Buffalo Sabres for you. I saw all your hockey paraphernalia. See, that's how good Chris is. uh, He scans the room. Yeah, I did. I figured it out. Because you're from Long Island, right? I am from Long Island, yes. The Islanders, of course. So back when they were the Islanders, back (laughs) with the Bobby Nystrom, uh, you know, what was the Bobby Nystrom? Brian Trottier? Well, my favorite guy was uh, number nine, the great Clark Gillies. Clark Gillies, oh yeah. Who oh, was the protector. Right. Yeah, and then the the, the uh, goalie was Billy Smith? Billy, Billy Smith, Smith yeah. who started in L.A., played five games, and it, it's kind of a stand-up story. They got rid of him. They thought he wasn't yeah. going to be any good. And then he goes on to win four Stanley Cups? <laughs> four straight Cups. Yeah, four straight Stanley Cups. Yeah, it was wild, uh, the Islanders back then. It, it was, And they played kind of by my you know, out on Nassau Coliseum, which is way out on the island. So they were like a real, true Long Island team. Like the Mets and the Jets and all that, they played pretty much in New York City. The Islanders were out on the island. 
And the uh, Nassau Coliseum is kind of like the comedy store. It's like a dark. Oh, it was a bet. It it's since been torn down and remodeled. And I think the Islanders, they left. They went to play in Brooklyn uh, at the Barclays Center, and now they're building a giant new stadium for them on Long Island. Well, I feel bad for the Islanders because at the Barclays Center, let's just say it's not laid out for hockey. Did you hear? Did you hear this story about the ice? melting yeah yeah because the subways are running right underneath it i guess it's heating up the ice and they and they can't keep it, they, it you know they can't play hockey there it's too hot there's like 20 percent of the seats for hockey are obstructed views because yeah. the poles and right right so uh you know i feel like i'm the new york islanders of comics just yeah. no respect <laughs> just in, unless you were in the 70s when they well that they, was my era the 70s yeah, yeah you and me both you and me both what so where did you start doing stand-up pretty much los angeles uh I, I started a little on long island to where i'm from uh but pretty much out here i i mean i was out here with you know the people we all know at i don't know if you remember a place i think you might have been there i don't know if you came at the, that early on but the Westwood Brewing Company, before the other guy. There was another dude who used to run it. The guy's name was Mike Viez. He was like the manager of the brewery. No comic, no, not a comedy guy, not a comedy background. But somehow this guy was able to pack this place every night. It was before, you know, it had been an, uh, another open mic, whatever, for right. years. But before that. And it was Glern and uh, Oshak and myself and Chelsea Handler and like huge people. Bill Burr. Patrice O'Neill, like back when nobody was anybody. Right. And it was a packed house of UCLA uh, crazy crowds. And you had to kind of be good there. You know, it was a wild lion tamer comedy vibe where you just, you know, they would eat you alive if you weren't, you know, oh, sure. just rowdy, you know, young kids. So everybody kind of got good at that place. And it was, uh, that ran for, that kind of got everybody's chops. And then I just became like bar comic, which that's why I never went to the comedy stores or the improvs or the laugh factories. I la I, I preferred the bar shows, the Red Rocks and those kind of places. Oh. It was just more, I saw you at Red Rock a lot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, but like I found getting myself into trouble at bar shows because you, you're so used to the wildness and the TVs on. Yeah. Right. And you go to the comedy store, the improv more because it's a, run a little more like this is a comedy club uh and then i wouldn't know what to do when people were listening yeah that's true although i find that uh it is a good muscle to have that muscle where you could kind of handle any type of crowd now the comedy store like i said earlier it's just a whole different world than it used to be so and all of them honestly i mean i think the improv's a little better than it used to be i mean look at it, they got they got superstars like jeremy piven performing stand-up comedy now he what? was at the moon tower comedy festival last week like i've never been to moon tower i've been in this business 25 years jeremy piven was at moon tower like, i mean th that's what i mean i listen I, I loved him in heat with de niro when he's trying to shake him down for 100 bucks in the doctor's he's office. He's done some great work over the years. Not comedy. No. I mean, I, I honestly, I have not seen it, but it takes more than six months. Well, I heard him, and I'm sure he's an amazing guy. Right. Uh, but uh, I heard him telling someone at the comedy store, yeah, I think I got this. <laughs> it's, I know, I know. And it's just like. It makes me, it hurts. It hurts. And I'm like, once again, I'm not, uh, 
I don't say anyone shouldn't do comedy. Like, who am I? Right. Uh, Jimmy Carr told me, or I'll just worry about your side of the road. And it's a great way to be. I, I've, I've since uh, lately, I've been, I've been, I've been adopting that theory more and more, and it does help. Like, why do I care who if if Jeremy Piven does comedy? Uh, yeah. If anything, I'm going to look better. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. I was going back and forth with Kate Quigley, who I kind of like, and she's friends with him or whatever. And we're going back and forth on Instagram and I'm writing her like kind of goofing on him. And she's like, what do you care? And I'm like, you know what? You're right. What do I, why am I letting this bother me? Well, I think, uh, I think we look at comedies the same, uh, type of way. It hurts us to see someone just go, Oh, I can do this. Right. Like how would, uh, like John Mayer is another guy who, yeah. uh, he's a great guy, uh, but he's kind of dabbling in the stand up and it's like, how would he feel if we interrupted one of his concerts and played guitar for 20 minutes? Right. Exactly. I've never played. Yeah, <laughs> I know. it, <laughs> But also, you know, I can understand maybe John Mayer's the type of guy who always wanted to get into it. And he just happened to become famous in another world. But, you know, so does that mean he can't come in this world now? Yeah. Who am I to sit yeah. there and say, no, uh, but I think he's a little more respectful of okay. I, I get I'm I'm not in a yeah. world, you know. Piven is uh, an interesting case of uh, yeah. It's like you see him get Moon Tower. I've never even been there. No, I've never been to Moon Tower. And that's either. crazy to me that someone yeah. on your level. But that's the business. Is it's a weird. But I mean, even like even the Chelsea Lately world, we were almost kind of in a weird bubble over there. We weren't truly accepted by the comedy world. Like I don't think any of the people who made it from that show, Chelsea included, were ever at a Moon Tower or a festival. We were never festival darlings. We were never comedy store darlings or anything like that. Which you know, in a way, I, I was. I, I, I it hurt me at times. I was like, shit, I'd like to be you know, Joe List or whoever these guys are that, the you know, everybody loves for, you know, but I've never been one, but I've done fine. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're, I, you know, I, I think you're doing pretty good. Like, yeah, yeah. And I'm, <laughs> I'm good with it. I would love to have <laughs> your fun. No, your yeah. fine is my yeah. greatness. Uh, right. But that is the, the crazy thing about, you know, I was, I was on Roast Battle on Comedy Central. I couldn't even get on at midnight. Yeah. And I saw literally... Bringer show promoters and open micers on that show. And right. I'm like, what What do I do? Like, I'm on a show on this network and I can't get on it. And you were like a stand. I, I watched those roast battles and you were like a standout on that show. I mean, you know, it, it was a bit of a sellout by me because it's not my normal sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. I have my issues with it. Well, oh, let's get into it because like... Yeah. Like I'm, uh, like I, I listen. I don't, I think there are great people out of Mike Lawrence, you, Sarah Tiana. They're fantastic at it. You know, Jeff Ross. But also, here's the thing: you guys are actual comedians before the roast, right? You know, you were all good headlining comics before the roast. Well, I was a feature. Thank what, you. <laughs> you get the idea. And then I feel like now. It's creating not just the comedy store roast battle because they're doing them in every comedy club across the country. Welcome to Hollywood. Yeah. And it's creating like a weird world of these roast kids who just have that cadence and that roast work. And that, for, as a guy who's on the road a ton, and you know, you you need an hour out there on a, on a Saturday night, two two shows. That that's not a good thing to be. You know, yeah. roasty a roasty cadence and a, and a short quick thing that you, that doesn't work for an hour that works for five minutes 
if that exactly and it, and it and i feel like there's so many of them that are thinking oh i'm i'm roast guy but once you get out in the real world that's not going to work unless there's another guy standing on stage with you happens to be fat or gay or whatever you guys like to ideally <laughs> well i mean it but the show's done everything for me like it literally has given me every tv credit i have so i love it and, um, and it's fun to watch. I do. I did enjoy watching that. You know, the ones on Comedy Central. It's not fun to do. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't go to like the Tuesday night at the Comedy Store where every young comic tells me, "Oh, dude, you got to be there for roast battle." I'm like, I've been roasting honestly my whole life. It's it weirdly kind of comes easy to me. Like in the way, just like make fun of audience people and stuff right. like that if they you know heckle. So it's not something that I had. So when I see roasty stuff, I'm like, mm, I mean, isn't that easy? I mean, you know, it. it I felt like, uh, you know, my stand up is making fun of myself. I guess right. roasting myself. So uh, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable roasting you. I mean, you've always been nice to me, and and yeah. How does that work now? Do you got is it? Because I know. I mean, some of the people I see up there. See, you know, a guy, Branham, I saw do one, and he's a guy's funny. Great. Yeah, guy's great. I would never, I mean, he's just way too smart and way too fast and quick. And, you know, like I would just get buried by him. Well, but, you know, it, it, um, you know, it depends. Some people have no soul, so they have no problem. Like if you, uh, there's one uh, comic who had a miscarriage, unfortunately. Yeah. He gets hammered on it every roast. Uh, I, told him if we ever battle i won't joke about that yeah uh some you know like my parents died two months apart uh it's fair game you right. know i don't want to hear about it which is which is i get it that is kind of fun to what like the fun of it is almost like oh my god i can't believe you just said that yeah like you know with ralphie may who, yeah right uh, you know ralphie i still have trouble talking about him like he's gone but uh nicest dude ever to me yeah uh, would always say hey let me take you on the road let me get you out of LA. Let me get you an audition for this. And, yeah. Uh, I've heard that. I, it's a guy I just never, we never crossed paths. And which was, is weird. Yeah, I know. One time in Nashville, we, he lived kind of close to that club and I was performing at the Zanies in Nashville and he came, you know, to just say hi or whatever. And uh, it's the, the one time we spoke, but I've heard nothing but glowing stories about the guy. Just, uh, I, just like you, like just yeah. nice, no a big comic, but you wouldn't know it. Which yeah. I find like people like you, Ralphie, Russell Peters, Ryan Stout. Yeah. They, they yeah. don't brag. Like, I agree. I think all, all those guys I like. Um, but, uh, you know, he probably wasn't the best uh, fit for Roast Battle. You know, he, yeah. Ralphie more tried to wing it. Uh huh. And, uh, you know, you can't really wing it against Mike Lawrence or Sarah Tiana. It's no, not, no. It's not going to end yeah, well. Those guys are like, I mean, Mike Lawrence is just a. I mean, that's good. But he's also a great writer and, and a great comic outside of that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when I say he's one of the guys who can do it all, you know, he, sure. can, he could also be a, a stand-up too, as is as does Sarah. So, I don't know. It's just a weird... I feel like this... Because yeah, I still go out here in LA, not the comedy store, but I go out to bar shows and, you know, different shows around town. And I see these guys who are roast comics who just are not that funny outside of the roast. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I always like to, uh, being a sports guy, I think roast battle is like a slam dunk competition. Right. You know, you. That's a great point. You know, you, if you watch the slam, 
NBA slam dunk thing or even the NHL's hardest shot competition. It's very rarely the best player wins it. Yeah. Or the home run derby where probably in the end is going to hurt you and ruin your career. Yeah, because you get used to taking these wild swings with, you know, no pressure on you really. Yeah. Uh, And then you get into a game situation and you're like, oh, fuck. You know, so. uh, But it's it's an amazing, it's done, I don't think in doing comedy in LA for 20 years, I've never seen a show help so many comics. No, it's like, I love when something take, listen, if it, it all, it, it all helps the game. You know what I mean? Sure. Like if there's something like that, or even the thing with, you know, they do it the, where they sing, uh, with the band, uh, Josh, uh, Adam yeah, Myers, Josh, yeah, the Josh goddamn Adam comedy, Myers, yeah, the goddamn comedy. like all that stuff raises, you know, comedies, uh, you know, what, what, what's the term ever water raises all boats or something. You know what I mean? That's a, too deep for my a rising tide, you know, lifts all boats and it does like it. So I think when people are, so the, all this stuff works for comedy. So I'm good with that, you know? Oh, sure. I mean, uh, and, you know, Roast Battle really helped the comedy store get, I think it was the initial, like, hey, the store's happening again. I, I think so, too. Yeah, definitely. With, you know, Chappelle used to go and watch and John Mayer yeah. and uh, Ivan Reitman. It was just like right. Jason Reitman. It was like, wow, I've never seen people of this stature here before. And is it still the thing? I mean, that that burns out eventually, right? Um. Well, um, no, it's still sold out every Tuesday. Yeah. Um, and I think they're doing something, uh, I believe in the summer. Um, so it's, uh, you know, I think that show will last as long as the battles are good. Yeah. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, sometimes they, um, need new blood. Like I know you wouldn't do it, but like, but I mean, if someone like you did it, you would be fresh, right a fresh shot you, you know the jokes would be fresh on you yeah uh i think sometimes they need that because uh you know if the same person battles over and over again it's like we get it you're fat <laughs> you're a whore <laughs> yeah, yeah you know with That's, me it's yeah i feel that way even about the roast on comedy central like yeah we you know i i it, it it's a cadence that that eventually you start to just hear the cadence you're like right dot 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 boom here's your punch you know so i don't know it's not something that i necessarily am like oh i gotta tune in for the roast i guess there's a bruce willis one coming oh i would love to be on that oh yeah because it blows people up yeah i mean selfishly you know at 49 i don't think new faces is calling me No, I've never done that either. Have you ever done like any of that? I mean, uh, I auditioned uh, four years. No, forty nine. Yeah, yeah, I'm fifty. You look pretty good. Forty nine. I mean, we, we. I think you and I are proof that if you don't abuse yourself, no, I feel. I've yeah. You can. I I take care of my shit. You know, which I think is something you should do as a. You know, I, I, I I also take a lot of pride in the fact that we are performers in in still. Yeah. You know, like we people, some, some of these guys go on stage and I'm like, well, you look like a fucking mess. I mean, no wonder nobody's taking you seriously because you're not taking yourself. Seriously. I'm talking like guys on the road, like my features right. on the road, these dudes who live out of a van. And I'm like, well, you got to get your shit together because the audience is, he, they don't know you're not a real comedian so right. in your van. They're thinking they're paying to see a professional and you look like shit. So get it together and look like a professional. And I think it'll help your game. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's mind blowing to me uh, to see some comics just not take it seriously, and 
kind of hit the stage looking like they just got dropped off from a bus depot. Yeah. I mean, look at the guys who have, look at Sebastian and these guys who, who, I mean, they're all got their shit. Look at even leaving Tom Segura, who's, you know, Tom looks good on stage. You know, he's, he's got a look that you know immediately when you see him. And, and I think most of those guys kind of do the guys who make it. Oh yeah. I mean, even the ones who you would in just on, first look with what this guy's a slob it, it's like a chic slob like right like an ari shafir you would yeah, think yeah right. he doesn't care about his appearance but he does exactly like, he's got yeah. like the stoner t-shirt on the sure. jeans and i think that does the audience does uh you know they're conscious of that i think well i mean i finally almost 20 years in have figured out who my fan base is what they want which is why i love a podcast because it's yeah isn't it great? I mean, what a what a great way. Like, I know yours is doing pretty well, right? I see your. I mean, posts. it's people think I've hacked into iTunes, uh, <laughs> but I can't even. I've had my suspicions. Well, I mean, well, some you know, some I have a fan who sends me daily screenshots, and last week I was number four, and it's like Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm like ahead of Burr and yeah. uh, Diaz, and and uh, you know, I I don't know why I'm all of a sudden so highly ranked but uh you know i think it's just finally tuning into my fan base right as small as they are and figuring out what they want but it does blow people up and it is i love any way around agents and managers and all that bullshit like if you could find a way around that which many people have you know joey diaz and all these guys that even even tom and christina they all found a way around the bullshit you know to when the bullshit had to come to them they got so successful at at their other thing that then eventually these agencies and who would have never given joey diaz and these people the time of day now have to yeah. Because they're selling tickets like crazy and blah, 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 blah. So it's great. I, I love it. Oh, it's like. Because um, you got to figure this pisses those people off. Like oh. even YouTube stars and that stuff. Like they ju- they did it without any of your help. Because you motherfuckers don't come out from behind your desk. And I love like even Tiffany Haddish. Like Tiffany Haddish was on the Oscars and, and whatever in Girl Code. And I know Tiffany pretty well. She was on Chelsea a bunch. And the whole world's like, she's amazing. What an I was like, well, of course she's amazing. She's been amazing for 20 fucking years at the Laugh Factory and right. every other show around town. If you would have come out from behind your desk and actually watched the fucking comedy for once, you would have seen that. Like, this is no surprise to any of us. It's a surprise to you people because you don't look outside the, the walls of your office. Am I, you think I'm crazy? Or Oh, no, not at all. I mean, I think agents and managers, not all of them, but. 80% of them are, are lazy and they don't want to do any work. Uh, right. You know, they want you to come to them with, okay, Chris has the number two podcasts on iTunes, his comedy albums, number one, he's on Chelsea lately. Yeah. I want to work with him. Oh yeah. And it's like, well, why don't you help him get more stuff and make money off of them? I mean, that's kind of the way it happened for me. Like I, you know, I got Chelsea because of Chelsea. Chelsea just basically we were friends and she said, come work on Chelsea lately and other shows before that even. And I never had an agent or a manager. Or really? Like that. No, no, nothing, nothing. I didn't have agents and managers up until five years into Chelsea lately. Like I finally hit APA and those people started calling. But 
I I had nothing. I didn't pay any. Thank God, didn't have to pay anything out of my money, uh, you know, for it and stuff like that. So even like I, I hosted the uh, Sons of Anarchy after show on FX, and that this is all without agents and managers. All of it was from Kurt Sutter's kind of a friend of mine, and I'm used to watch Chelsea lately. Are you? Show. I have watched every episode of Sons of Anarchy. 40 times really and i still it, that show is so good that i still get excited when there's just like it's you like, aren't one of the people who who talk i mean i got so much shit on after every one of those shows we did those like live after shows i mean i was it was i never saw anything quite like it it was absolutely brutal and they told me it was going to be they're like these fans are animal like they're they're like these people are like gangsters and they'll want to kill you. And they did, man. I was, and I, I, I blame myself a little bit. I, I almost kind of half-assed it. I w cause I was working on Chelsea. I think I was working on like two shows at the time. I was working on Chelsea sitcom and on Chelsea lately. And I would run like across the street to do the live FX. Were you a fan of the show? I, at the time I was not because uh, Theo Rossi, who plays Juice, is one of my, Theo and I came out like to LA together basically. So we're, we've been friends forever, best friends. And uh, so I, I, I kind of knew it from him. Right. Uh, but I didn't watch a ton. Everybody over there was great. Kurt's great. Katie's great. Everybody's great. All the people. Wonderful. But the, the fans are just insane. Like they had put me at the, you know, in Jack's seat at the table to do this hosting oh, gig. Oh, you don't want to do that. And these people, I, I, it wasn't my idea. It was FX's idea. Like, you we're going to sit at the table and you're going to have Kurt sitting at one side and Jack's, you know, uh, Charlie sitting at another. So Charlie's sitting at the table and I'm sitting in his supposed seat. Right. But he's now just Charlie Hunnam. He's not jacks and he's speaking in his english accent and other but they were just like why the fuck is this guy in his seat and da 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 i mean the table styrofoam uh, the whole thing i just wanted to, I oh don't tell me that no i know <laughs> i mean i just could have just like smashed the table right. and 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 just ruined the whole thing for everybody but yeah it was just it was just a wild ride it was great it was a cool thing to be a part of i think it's the most watched thing i've ever done like the last episode i did Got like 9 million viewers or some crazy shit, so. I mean, I just, what I love about that show is just the casting. Yeah. Because it's not, like, like maybe I wouldn't be a good casting director because if you said to me Ron Perlman would be a good Hell's Angels, essentially, yeah. I mean, Ron, the guy Did from, you hear that it was initially Scott Glenn, though? I want to see the pilot. Yeah, the pilot. Because yeah. there's a full pilot. Yeah. And I could see that. Uh, like, he looks kind of rough. And, right. Um, but I guess he... Might have burned a bridge. Uh, I guess after the pilot, they had a meeting. Hey, we're going to be cutting edge, and right. you know, you but you got holding in, and so Scott Glenn said to like the head of FX. So I can't say this bitch is a fucking cunt next to me, and uh, I think they started looking for new people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. An, I mean, everybody on that show is a little bit of fucking loose cannon, you know. So even Kurt included. So it was. It was amazing that they made it as far as they did successfully. And now there's a spinoff coming. The Mayans, which apparently they had to reshoot that pilot. They shot an entire pilot. I think Kurt hated it. And then they went and reshot it again. Which is because I saw something similar happen. Uh, you know, I, I'm not trying to impress you. Okay, go ahead. 
but I did open up for Rob Schneider for four years. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. I was, yeah. I, was, I was the only one that lasted. <laughs> did you have to wear a suit? I heard he makes you wear a suit on stage. No, I think he knew that was not going to be an option for me. I was uh, okay. leather pants and right. usually a, a very nice rat t-shirt. Rat, uh, yeah. Stephen Piercy rat or, or like Stephen Piercy rat? Because I've seen rat a couple times. With or at the key right up the street here at the key club one night, I think I would see when it was the key club. I don't know what it is now. It's uh one oak, Jay Z's. Oh, uh, is that right? Is it really okay? It's this a much is, different crowd. I used to, god, they, they used to have some good shows there actually, but it was all without like the original lead singer, like it was Skid Row with another guy and Rat with another guy. Yeah, I think with Rat, with Rat it was at one point Jizzy Pearl. <laughs> Great name, it's a good porn name, yeah. Uh, but, but it. It's the weird thing with like with rat is like it's not rat without Piercy's voice. Right. Of course. For better or worse. Yeah. He's the voice. Yeah. Uh so and he's been on this couch before. Yeah, he really. I don't get starstruck. But he's my favorite singer. Well, so. you know, I think he must live in my neighborhood because I see him around Studio City from time to time. He does. And he's much smaller than I would have hoped. He seems like a tiny guy. Well, I, I think, um, you know, we're talking about people who, you know, you and I um, yeah. take care of ourselves. I'm, right. I'm, I'm not. Uh, but, you know, for a guy who's in his, I mean, I'm 49, you're 50. He's got to be at least seven years older than us. Yeah. You know, 57-ish for a guy who's lived a full life. I I guess he yeah, doesn't look horrible. No, no, he's just little. You know, he, and I know, you know, I just always see these people, they'll forever be emblazoned in my head as the Milton Berle, you know, what? video that I watched 10,000 times. Yeah. I or mean, the cover of Out of the Cellar or whatever, you know, whatever the, where it's, you know, to me, they'll always be 23. Yeah. I don't want to, um, I mean, I was, it was, it was cool to have him here because I did want to meet him, but you know, everyone was like, Earl, he's kind of a dick, you know, I, yeah. I wouldn't, but he couldn't have been any nicer. So that was a pleasurable experience, but I don't want to meet people from the 80s in 2018. No, I'll tell you, the person I've, I've, I've met, you know, millions of people with being on Chelsea Lilly and all that, and then writing, I wrote for the v, VMAs a couple of times, and the nicest guy I've met in this business, I, this well, not the night, but one of the best was Kanye West, and everyone said, this guy's a fucking terror, and he couldn't have been sweeter. Right. To everybody at, you know, writing on the show and everybody working. And so I don't know if the whole thing's an act or, you know, whatever. I, you know, it's like I had an opportunity to meet Mitzi once, you know, probably you know, five or six years ago. And I, I didn't want to. I, I wanted to. It's one of my probably regrets is not being showcased by her just because, you know, it's it's Mitzi. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't want to meet her at the time because I think she wasn't feeling well. It's like, I don't want to meet this Mitzi. I want to meet. You know, uh, like, you know, I knew O.J. Simpson as a, he was my neighbor. Oh, really? As a kid. So I met. Are you from L.A.? Yeah, I was born and raised in L.A. Uh, grew up in Bel Air. And when I say that, people think, oh, you're loaded. Uh, just my dad bought the house when there was literally no other homes in Bel Air. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, we were we were like the Adams family of Bel Air. Right. You know, my girlfriend's born and raised in Bel Air, and she had the same thing. She's like, it wasn't the Bel Air you know now. What yeah. I mean, uh, there was a Bel Air fire in the mid-60s that burned down every home in Bel Air but ours. Oh, really? And my dad was literally on the roof with a water hose. He yeah. was 
not going to leave. Um, and then it grew up to be like, you know, Stallone's here, uh, OJ's over there, Kareem's, you know, this is Showtime Lakers Kareem. Yeah. Uh, James Kahn is this. So it's like the weirdest neighbor. Harry Nielsen was their neighbor. Harry Nielsen, the, okay. Uh, the, basically the fifth Beatle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, him and my dad would go drinking. That's wild. So, uh, and those two could drink. Uh, so it was a weird childhood to grow yeah. up in like this weird, uh, you know, environment. So this is your neighborhood. Yeah. Wow. So, but you know, on the strip, you know, I grew up in the '80s. So when Rat was big and Poison, and all me those. too. I was here. I got here. I love. I mean, I'm a, I'm into that shit. So it was my, and I was up. I mean, you you remember? You couldn't that right there from from probably Doheny Doheny on up to Rainbow or even when it was Gazzari's, the Godfather of Rock. Uh, you couldn't move on the street. It was crazy. Yeah, I mean, it was you know, like, every band sucked outside of the ones that popped, like the Poisons and the and the Guns and Roses. But I mean, for every Poisons and Guns and Roses, there were some horrible, horrible bands. Well, it was like comedy, like you, you see, like Dane Cook take off, and then everyone was like, "I got to act high energy and move around and jump around." And but, you know, there's a few that were good. And, yeah. And, and, the majority weren't and you know i'm sure now everyone's trying to act like sebastian and right right you know how he performs and uh that's or, true that's a good point yeah. or delia and like you know the, the, you know i asked piercy like what you know he was like the perfect amount of humor and bitterness yeah um because some of those guys are like fuck nirvana they killed my career and Piercy was like, we killed our own careers. Like, oh, yeah. You know, because you had rat and then you had copycats of rats and then you had copycats of the copycats. <laughs> and it's just like, and it's also, it, you know, music just, I mean, honestly, that era lasted longer than most. Look at, look, look at Fatboy Slim. And, you know, this is not that long ago with that era with the Chemical Brothers and all that stuff. That's gone. Now it's moved on into some other thing, which will be gone in, you know, three, four years again. Or even less. So it's, I, I mean, I, I feel like hair metal still is around. Like you can, you could, you could piece together, you know, Def Leppard and, and, and a few other bands and go on a pretty decent tour. Yeah. I mean, uh, Bon Jovi just got into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, Bon Jovi was, I mean, he was a bigger act than, no, you know, some of those guys. But like, you know, Rat was so big, you know, they had like a two year window where they were probably like the big metal band. They took Bon Jovi out on the road. Like, yeah. Which is that uh, you've seen in a million times with a, a feature comic, you know, two years later, they're they're taking the headliner who took them out on the road, yeah. you know. Oh, uh, I've seen, yeah, it happens to me all the time. <laughs> well, I doubt that. No, but I, I mean, I remember, you know, I don't know if you know Leonard Oots, he's, he's uh, kind of a heavy black guy. Who's oh, like yeah. Blowing up right now. Really funny guy. He featured for me about two years ago in, in, uh, at the Improv in West Palm. And I said, I call my agent, I'm like, this kid is going to blow up. I swear to you, he will. And my agent's like, ah, blah, blah, blah. And, in fact, and sure enough, I wasn't, it wasn't six months later where he, I mean, he's blowing up now. And and rightfully so. He's great, you know? Yeah. I mean, these agents are. Yeah. They don't, nobody gives a shit. Well, they just, most of them are either failed comics or people who wouldn't have the balls to do what we do. Right. And I think, I feel a lot of them just came to like LA to get laid. You know, they were looking for pussy, not. In a, you know, they went to like a good school and then they're like, oh, where can I go from here? Should I go into Wall Street? Should I go into this? Where's the pussy? I'll go into Hollywood and see if I can get, you know, make it there. 
Well, yeah. I mean, those are the group that got me into stand-up where all these agents and managers, ICM, William Morris, the triad to show you how long this is. Yeah. They're like, dude, you're funnier than any of our clients. Just get in there. We'll help you. And these guys, you know, you know that business, they, they work 100-hour weeks and 100-hour weekends. Uh, their sole yeah. goal was to get pussy. Right, yeah. And they got it. You whip out an agency card and, oh, the panties come off. Oh, totally. I mean, I, I when I was, I remember I was performing in Vegas one time when Chelsea Lady was at his height. And my agents called me and they're like, we're coming to the show. And I was like, just, yeah, don't, don't. I'm playing. It wasn't anything great. It was like, I don't know if you remember, it was a, it was a court, court's room. In, oh, Paul Hughes, uh, uh, the, the Palms Playboy the Palm, Comedy. Yeah, Playboy Comedy, the court's room. And it was a cool room and everything. But I was, so they come, the whole fucking eight of them or whatever. But they were just coming to go to Vegas. They didn't give yeah. a shit about me. Sure enough, I'm on stage. I see the row where they're supposed to be sitting. All empty. Eight empty seats. You know, I'm on stage, I'm doing my thing, I keep looking over there, still empty. <laughs> About five minutes left in my act, I see them come filing in and sit down. And then, of course, when the show's over, you were amazing. Yeah. I'm like, I've got, I didn't say anything. Well, like, you saw five minutes of the fucking thing. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I had Rob Schneider's brother, John, walk into the Canyon Club. Have you ever done comedy there? I have. Yes. Just one way in, one way out. Uh -huh. So I saw John walk in as soon... I was ending basically bringing up Rob and he comes up to me. Great set. Love the new stuff. I'm like, uh, I just <laughs> saw you walk in. <laughs> that place, that place is very unforgiving for comedy with the giant ceilings. And, uh, well, you know, there's, you hear the bar to the left, if it's laid out like it was yeah. and you know, it, it's like more, I think for rock, you know, cover bands. Yeah. And, I went the other night actually. Well, who was playing? I went to see some cover, Fast Times or something, some 80s cover band. A friend of mine told me to go. I mean, they were actually kind of shitty, but, um, you know, it's, they're doing them, going through the motions. I mean, I was excited that the cars finally got in. Oh, the cars got in the Rock and Roll yeah. Fame? Yeah, I know. And I love the cars. They, uh, it's the only person who's not uh, alive is the bass player, Benjamin Orr. Benjamin Orr, yeah. So they got the bass player from Weezer. Oh, was, oh, yeah? And it was like, really, I love it when a, a, a current, well, I guess Weezer's a current band. Uh, yeah. You know, they join forces with a, a band from, that they liked. It was yeah. just, and the guy from The Killers, the singer, gave them. Brandon. Brandon Flowers. Flowers, yeah, yeah, yeah. He gave them the best, like, you could tell he was a fan of the cars. And it's like, you're almost tearing up because he's like a kid. I mean, I was, I'm, the cars for me go back to like, got it. I mean, even before Candy O, I forget the album before Candy O. It was just the cars. Moving in stereo, the car, yeah, right. the cars, yeah. And I mean, it. I played it over and over and over and just, I mean, it was, I love the cars. Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm a metalhead, but they're probably my favorite non-metal band just because uh, I've had outfits that all five guys used to wear. Like, they were a very yeah. eclectic yeah. looking, they look like I a- didn't Benjamin Orr sing the big hit. Uh, who's gonna drive? Yeah, you home? drive. Yeah, he sang that, right? Well, he sang most of their big hits. Yeah. But I think Rick Ocasek was such a interesting looking dude. Got, yeah. That everyone thought he was singing. Right. So I think that caused a little bit of a, you know, um, whatever between those two because I'm sure it was like. It was like, you know, someone taking credit for your jokes. Right, right. Like, oh, I didn't realize that. Like, so moving in stereo and stuff is Benjamin Orr? Well, Benjamin Orr sang Drive. He sang uh, Bye Bye Love, uh, oh, Let's song. Go. Yeah. Um, I think uh, 
it's all I can do. Yeah. I mean, uh, and Okasik's saying, I think, just what I needed. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, MTV made them. like. Yeah. Oh, I knew them before MTV, but... I mean, yeah, when they when they came out with like you know the come a little more poppier stuff with the you know and good videos. Oh, they. Had I this. mean, for me, I was an MTV fanatic. I would sit in front of MTV for I got them from school. What three o'clock, whatever. Right. I'd sit in front of MTV till nine at night, just nonstop video, 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 all of it. You know the eighty shit, the men oh. without hats, the that kind of stuff to into. The, and then you look at those videos now, and you're like. They they're not only they're awful, you know. Some hold up, some don't. Yeah, <laughs> like the cars videos to me hold up, like because they were so. Uh, they did a video. Their last album was in '87. It's called Door to Door, and please look up this video. It's called You Are the Girl, and it's got more sexual innuendos. Oh yeah. Well, they're they're uh, they're on a spaceship that's shaped like a dick. <laughs> And they go into this like Death Star like uh, planet that's shaped like a pussy. Oh wow! So the opening scene is this dick-shaped spaceship going into this vagina. It's like what the fuck? Who? It was. Those were some good times. Uh, it's 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 sad that videos are gone. But that's one of the things that you guess I just got to give up on. Like it's not coming back. I mean, I watch MTV now, and it's like. You guys don't even play one video. It's, no, it's not. It's not about that. It's about I don't know what it is anymore. 16. I don't think they know what it is anymore. You know, I think there a lot of these channels are, because of Netflix and stuff are lost. I think Comedy Central's lost. You know, I I don't think they know what they're doing. I mean, uh, you know, being on you know roast battle, it was a it was really an educational uh, experience of how a show is run. Um, you know, uh, th- th- there was. It was my first uh, experience, I guess, with politics on a show. Yeah. Like, to me, you know, I'm probably naive. I'm sure it was a little bit of the same on Chelsea to a degree right. of, uh, you know, the inner workings of a show. And uh, it was interesting to see, you know, oh, well, let's put these two battlers against each other. Let's put these three panelists together. And it's just not like that. Like, no, I know. And it took me a while to get you... What you have to realize, and I've been on a you know a few shows now. What you have once I realized it, it, it just made life so much easier. Is you you're you're not the boss. You'll never be the boss. You you know there'll always be somebody ahead of you, and just shut the fuck up. That's what I. It took me a while to realize that. Like on Chelsea, I was there every day. So, and I had you know some power on that show at at times, but it, ultimately it was her or even people other people, and it was just like just shut up it's not about you this, yeah but you that's know. why you work so much and I, I try and tell this to certain uh people at the comedy store it's like you know you got to be liked in this business if you to- want to stay in it to- and you it it's guys like you and galern and you know the people who've been around for tripoli and the people who've been around forever up through the shit shows and the stuff that we've done like yeah, everyone, people like them, so that's why they're still around. Yeah, I mean, I've known you for a long time, and knew of you before I knew you. Right. Never heard a bad word about you. No, and I, and I, I take pride in that. Yeah, you know? no, I love you know. And some people are like, "Well, you're just an ass kisser." It's like if I was an ass kisser, I'd be a lot more famous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
or whatever. Yeah, uh, I listen, there are times in my, you know, when I'm driving home quietly in my car, I'll, I'll, I'll shit on people. But, uh, you know, I, I try to keep it to myself. I'm trying to be better about that. I am too. You know, there's, I think, I think with age that comes. Yeah, no, I love being my age. Me I really, I, I don't mind it at all. You know, it, it's, you're, I think you become a better person in most cases. I completely, and you just get to, I know everybody says this, but you get to a point where you just kind of chill out, you know, where it's not about, like I was a fucking, when I, like Chelsea Lay was at his height six, seven years ago. Uh, I mean, I was a pussy, like wild, just that's what I went on the road for. And good for you. Oh man. I mean, I I say like, uh, you know, the dirt, Motley Cruz, the dirt, like I could, there, I have nights where I could have put the dirt to shame, but uh, I, but now I go back to the room and, you know, I go to bed. Well, you know, I, it's, see, it's, it's weird for me. It's almost the opposite. Like, you know, I don't know why these damaged girls come to me. Oh yeah. Well, the comedy stores become that thing now. Well, I think they see a, 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 I don't know what kind of women you attract now, but like in my case, it's like they see me and okay, he's a decent guy. He's not going to treat me like shit. Right. Like every other guy in my life has. I think I want to hang out with him, you know, which is good and bad. Yeah. Because then you're paying for the sins of every guy from their past. That's a good point. And yeah. it's like, I, you know, I, I don't, I struggle with that sometimes. But you're in, you're like in it still. You're at the comedy store. You're in that. Like I stay, I, I don't, you know, when I'm in town, I don't leave the 818, you know, I mean, it's very hard to get me over the hill. Well, which is another reason why I never uh, asked you to do this. I just figured that, ah, you know, because I lose a lot of guests. Full disclosure, I'm like, yeah. hey, you got to come to me. And right. they're like, well, can we Skype? I'm like, um, no. I, uh, I was cursing you at about, um, let's see, as you wrap around uh, <laughs> Crescent where, Heights. Where, where Red Rock used to be. <laughs> right. That's when I started to curse you. Uh, uh, the right traffic. <laughs> but I mean, that's, uh, you know, you talk about there's always someone above you and, and in some cases there's someone above who's above you that's what i love about a podcast is i throw it out there hey chris can you do the po- this yeah. is what i love about you and this is why i've always liked you i contacted chris last week hey can you come on next week you said well i go into cincinnati wednesday how about tuesday most comics would have been hey let's do it when i get back yeah and then you get back and something comes up and, and probably legitimately and so you were like because I know before you travel, you, you want to just right. be at home relaxing. You were nice, you know, goes back to being nice. Yeah. Well, I'm a fan of you and I'm a fan of comedy. Like I, like I, when I see these guys, even going to the comedy store, like I, I get weirded out at the comedy store. I just, I'm just, like I said earlier, I'm just never comfortable there. And it, it's nobody, it's nobody's fault, my own, you know, cause I, but I, I'm fans of all these people. But I don't, you know, we don't know each other. I don't know Andrew Santino, but I think he's a great comic. He's awesome. Yeah, and a great and a great actor and all that, you know. But, I, you know, all, so like, but you, I know and I like. So I like to be, I like to get out and chat with comics. Yeah, I mean, my goal is to only work now with people I like. It's it changes everything. It just uh, like speaking of Santino, you know, I'm a, I'm I guess you'd say I'm a recurring character on I'm Dying Up Here. Yeah, and everyone on that show is so amazingly nice. No one treats anyone any differently. You know, the, the extras are treated like regular cast right. members, 
and it's like so neat for like yeah, that's when a show works man that's what that's what it should be and i you know in a way all this me too shit and all that stuff that went down I, for for no other reason than getting the some of the assholes out of the business i was happy that that happened because you know i knew harvey weinstein a little bit from like bartending up the street here and the guy was a fucking monster and so were a lot of the spacey and some of these other people and the fact that they're gone is just better for everybody oh yeah i don't feel you know if it's true uh which i think in their cases uh, yeah you know, uh was and is uh fuck them fuck them that's what i say fuck them because you know life's too short to deal with fucking mon and this is a business that that almost you know it, it's a business that forever has been you know it's scumbags it's a business of scumbags that's always been the joke when tonight show you know used to do you know everybody's a punchline about agents and blah blah slimy this and that and it, it there's a reason for it because it i think it breeds that type of person but hopefully it's that's getting less and less and less i mean i don't know if it will just because you know you know we know the comedy world I, i'm not that familiar with the acting world but i think as long as there's people who are willing to do anything to make it there'll be people very willing to take advantage of them right but they'll be i think now people will be less likely to say hey come up to my room for an audition like they used to right you know because now you're you're fucked Oh, yeah. I mean, I know I've seen it a lot, even at the comedy store, which, uh, you know, in, in, in the darker ages of the club, uh, you could walk into any room and let's just say there were bodily fluids being exchanged. Yeah. Uh, they were, uh, if you asked a girl to go on a tour of the facilities, every other comic knew, oh, let's leave them alone yeah uh now yeah, it's yeah. like the christmas party this year was hilarious everyone's just shaking hands <laughs> side hugs and you, i'm good with that i like that i'm fine good because i've never been a fucking asshole so i have you know i didn't have any fear with any of that stuff it never i, I i've been perfectly nice to everybody and i've had my fair share of fun but there's no no girl or anybody who would say he you know yeah oh, yeah complete fucking prick i mean i may have shown my dick pic to people <laughs> Oh, I, I mean, God damn. It's a great pick. Yeah. <laughs> like my political career, if I ever decided to have one, is completely shot to shit. Just oh, I couldn't alone. do it. Yeah. I mean, I had to uh, delete all of mine and Ralphie May's DMs. <laughs> as soon as he passed, I'm like, well, Ralphie, you're you're gone. I, right. I don't think anyone's hacking into my Twitter. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this... Uh, and, and, you know, I think the Me Too era is affecting... Uh, filmmaking and tv shows because it's like they're, they're doing motley crew the dirt i know on netflix and it's, it's like a series i believe how can you do a biography on motley crew who let's be honest they probably fucked underage girls backstage uh you know and have it be accurate in this era well i think i hope that people can are able to differentiate between, you know, reality. And we all know that things were different in 1983 when Motley Crue was playing the whiskey, a go-go. And I hope that we're able to, you know, look at, look at the show you're on. I mean, that's, it's a different era. And I think that, that show kind of shows that. Yeah. And I think, uh, you, you know, it's, it's hard. I think they do an amazing job, 
you know, I'm, I don't, you know, when you're as low as I am on the uh, call sheet, I mean, I think the, <laughs> I mean, I'm enough. Is your name printed on the call sheet? That's, that's pretty good. It is on it. That's, then I, that's all you need. But I think I'm only ahead of the boom operator. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Hey man, there's a lot of people who aren't on the call sheet. But the, you know, I, I say that about the comedy store, you know, in theory, you, you go up there and you see, I don't know how many names are on the wall. Let's just say 3000. You're like, wow, it's, is it really that big of a deal to get your name on this wall? And it's like, Hey, there's, a lot more names that aren't on the wall right uh, so uh but i think i'm dying up here does as good as a job as they can portraying 70s comedy which was wild i mean wild uh, the, the racism that was going on back there the, the yeah. sexism the the drugs the other things uh weirdly it, i was in uh i was on glow the, the tv show glow uh, on the first two episodes, they had me play this bad 80s comedian. The girl, the lead girl, she was a comedy club waitress before she became a wrestling. They wound up cutting all of that out, and rightfully so. It should have just went right to her being an actress and getting in. Right. But in the in the first two episodes, she was a comedy club waitress. So I was this horrible 80s hacky comedian. And they had me write, they were like, write 80s comedy stuff. So I did. And and then we we shot it, and I went up there and did like '80s comedy, which was racist, and this, and, and they were like, I don't know if we could show this, like it's, but I'm like, well, you asked for '80s comedy, this is what '80s comedy. Can was. I have that chunk? I'll pay you for it. <laughs> yeah, it was, but it was pretty crazy. They were almost like, shit, this is a little too much. So then I had to tape, you know, tone it down. But it was a fun ride. Well, they did the same thing to me because basically, uh, on I'm dying up here, I'm playing a bitter late night comic. Yeah. It's not really acting. <laughs> and they're like, hey, we love your uh, your try, your voice, they said. So just do what you do, but switch out the rat references for like a Liberace joke. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I was doing some pretty, you know, if you ever saw late night comedy in the 70s, it was just, they did the same set every, you know, yeah. just, they were just you know, bitter and trying to fuck the waitresses and always pitching scripts. So it's uh, I do like the realism. There's a couple times I had to turn the show off because it was too real for me. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I, I liked it. I like it more than I like Pete Holmes's, but I like them both. But I feel like in a, sometimes the Pete Holmes show is like to me, it's like uh, the, the and, and I know some of the writers on it who are good comedians, and everybody on the show is good comedians. But there are times where I'm like, is are, any, are these people? Has anyone actually done comedy? Because in that world, nobody. Like every episode ends with like some big giant comedian like Bill Burr or Sarah Silverman go, hey, Pete, come on, come with me. We're going to go back to my house and you could stay at my place. It's like that never, this doesn't happen. Not in my world. No, I know. I don't know. But anyway. Well, I mean, I do like, like on I'm Dying Up Here this year, they brought in Brendan Lynch as a writer. Yeah. And like, I love him. Like he's, you know, I do think if you're going to have a show on stand up, you need people who do it that's uh, exactly you know or if you have a like motley crew if you're gonna i don't know who the writers were for that movie uh but i would think you would have even bring in stephen pierce and go what would have happened here yeah well you know? i i think i think it's a problem with a lot of shows that are that where they're not they're funny but they're not really funny because i don't know if you know phil rosenthal phil rosenthal did uh Ray Romano show, uh, everybody loves Raymond and some other stuff, but Phil Rosenthal has a great book that you should read. And he basically says, I like everybody loves Raymond was all stand up comics on my writing staff. Right. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Cause these guys know funny. They know why it's funny, how it's funny. 
and and and, and it does help. So, oh, for sure. Um, I, I mean, I, I know staffs that have no stand-up comics on it, and no com, you know, no, and they're, they're very funny people. But stand-up is a different kind of funny that you know how an audience is going to react. And it takes the time, you know? It's something to be proud of. To be a good stand-up fucking comedian, a headlining, hour-long comedian is hard, and it's, uh, it's, it's something to be proud of. I mean, because I think a lot of people, you know, when they hear headliner, oh, I can do an hour, but is it a good hour? Exactly. It's not just physically standing right. on the stage for an, anyone can do that. And it's entertaining. Like, is the it, is the audience entertained for for an hour? Yeah, it's not uh, stand up there for a half hour and kill, and then <laughs> morph into some light crowd work. Yeah, right, right, right. Hey, where are you from, Boca Raton? <laughs> <laughs> How do you go about putting together an hour that you know that works? At, at just time, you know, just time, and I think. You know, I think stage presence has a lot to do with it. You just got to be likable on stage. I don't know how you do that, but uh, there there are times where I'm still, people just don't like me, you know, for whatever reason. You're not going to connect with all the audience. You know, we all know that. Oh, I know that. Yeah. (laughs) So, and that's when it, no matter what you say, it's not going to work. I mean, I found, uh, you know, I used to try and please the audience and go, what would that guy in the front row wearing the Dickies hat like? So I would try and like force myself to do something. I, I find I'm getting better at going, I'm going to joke about what I think is funny. Right. And hopefully they're on board. Yeah. And, and some, you know, you know, cause I'm joking a lot about the eighties and, you know, I'm obsessed with this guy who used to be in kiss named Vinnie Vincent. Vinnie Vincent's invasion. He's now transitioning to a woman. I saw. Oh, is he really? I thought it was a joke. No, I mean, you know, you talk about Molly Crew doing a movie. This guy should have a movie because uh, of his life arc. You know, started out writing jingles for Happy Days, and then he was in the Dan Hartman band, and okay. Dan Hartman did that song "I yeah. Can Dream About You," uh, which was in a movie, a great movie, Streets Michael, of Fire, Michael Pare and and Diane Lane, great which, movie. I, and it kind of goes into, you know, we both know comics who should have made it, who didn't. Yeah. Uh, I thought Michael Paré was going to be the next Tom Cruise. I think everybody did. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, Streets of Fire should have been huge. Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. Uh, uh, Michael Mann, was it? No. It was, no uh, it was, uh, Walter Hill. Walter Hill, who did 48 Hours. Uh, yeah, Walter Hill. It, it was his follow-up to 48 Hours, which was supposed to be huge but right. just didn't whatever but well, i liked it yeah i mean it's so weird like in you know another walter hill movie the warriors which is i guess a, right. a cult yeah. hit but the the lead in that michael beck very similar to michael Perret, is like this guy's going to be the next whoever and not really i think a lot of times those guys they they fuck it up themselves. They have drinking problems. They have this and that. And you know when you're working on a big movie like that, you just can't. That can't happen. Like look at the guy who was in all the uh, what the fuck is his name? Real all know guy. Oh, uh, you and I are on the same page. We know, I know all this shit, and now I can't think of his name. In Alien, he's in fucking uh, Michael Bean. Yeah, Michael Bean. Good looking guy, great actor. Like the stole every one of those movies. All right. those. 
but yet, I mean, that was it. Now he's fucking like you don't even see him anymore. And I think he was a bit of a drinker and a fuck up. And eventually, that's that ends it. Yeah, I mean, I, there's and especially in the '80s, where you this could sound crazy to say, but like in Bachelor Party, Adrian's Med held his own with Tom Hanks. That's like fucking in, great. Like same charisma, it made me laugh just as much as Tom Hanks I did. Completely agree. Has a, had some hilarious lines, and and that not only quite a few things back then, even yeah, T.J. Hooker, T.J. Hooker, yeah. I liked Grease too, for the record. I'm going to throw that out there. <laughs> no, I did too. I didn't. I had no. I had no beef with that. I mean, it's kind of like Rocky too. I'm a huge Rocky two guy. Yeah. No one likes that movie. I think if you compare Grease two to Grease one, you're going to have a problem. But putting it on its own as a, mu a musical movie with you know Michael C Maxwell Caulfield, I believe, yes. and, and Michelle Pfeiffer, who were both like gorgeous people, it was fun. Fun ride. I could watch that for ninety minutes. Oh, but I I watch it every time it's on because uh, I'm. <laughs> but Michael Bain's the guy. That's like one guy where I thought was like. I mean, how is this guy not the biggest star in the world? How is he not Schwarzenegger? Yeah, I mean Terminator. He was. Oh man, Aliens. He. I mean, he's just fucking great in that movie. But oh, that's Aliens. I so identify. You know, people ask me who's your in the stand-up world. Who's your persona? Like, if you could identify with one person. And it's Bill Paxton and Aliens. Oh, the best. Always thinking he's getting fucked over. Yeah. Always negative. We're going to live the, right. They're everywhere, man. That's how I feel about agents. There's a guy who had a great career. But, I mean, it's such a tough business to fucking continue to go and have like a Paxton or where you just have to, you know, you're just constantly working. Because I think so much is, we go back to, so much is out of your control. Like, oh, yeah, completely. Um you know, there's comics. I mean, we could probably go on another two hours about, like, I look at Galern and, yeah. and go, how is he not famous? Oh. Now, what's famous? Yeah. Uh, you know, to right. some it's Jim Carrey, to some it's you, to the very few misguided, it's me. Right, right, um, right. I've said that about Galern ever since I've, like, people always ask me, who do you think the fun? Like, I was like, I mean, nobody makes me laugh quite like Jason Galern. Like, watching Jason, and I've never seen him outside of, like, bar shows. And it's just, I mean, even his Twitter and everything. I mean, I just find him to be so yeah, funny. Yeah, it's like he and uh, Brian Holtzman. Oh, who, yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah. Another guy I don't really know all that well. I just know his stuff from, you know, the comedy. Right. I mean, but he does guy never left the comedy store. Well, I think that, it, I, you know, who knows? I mean, I should, like Jimmy Carr said, I should probably worry about my own side of the road. But I'm such a comedy fan. Yeah. I often go, why isn't this person famous? Why is this person famous? Wait. And like with Holtzman, it's like the things he says are so offensive but lovable. Yeah, but as you know, there's so much more to it than just being funny, and it, and it should be. It, there's it, there's a business to it, and the guys who do that well, like you look at a guy like Andrew Santino, who's just a very good actor and a very and or like a like a some of these guys who just Adam Ray and these guys who are constantly working on because the, they're good in the office, you know and auditioning and stuff like that and that's huge i suck at it and when you're good at that the all this stuff helps you know what i mean oh yeah i mean i think uh if i have one regret especially being in la i, I wish i would have networked more when i was kind of forming my comedy right like, yeah it's, you know, it, it's it's big it uh, i think it's huge. i mean like i would do open mics with whitney cummins yeah and i mean she would go on after me yeah uh which in the open mic world, the, the the later you go on, the I guess the the less you're thought of or whatever. At least back then, 
And she would always, she had the most amazing quality of walking into a room full of 200 people, figuring out the one person who could help her. And yeah. she would make them feel like they were the king of the world. Oh, yeah. And that's something I would, why are you doing that? I'm going to go talk to this guy. He's fun. <laughs> she was all business. And I wish. I, I, toured you with, I toured with her and Joe Coy. The three of us went on a tour. When they, we first started doing like a Comedians of Chelsea Lately tour. And the first round of it was about, we did about five venues. It, we completely fucked it up. We did like giant venues. We charged like $300 a ticket. And we, and it was, you know, that's a good bill. Coy. Oh my God. But, but no, you know, nobody was as big at the time. And we were walking into these venues where there were 35 people in a, you know, 2000 seater. I've been there. And, and, but Coy and I would, you know, go out drinking after the shows and have, and Whitney just was constantly in that computer and the, even in, on the ride to the venue, bop, 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 working constantly, working, co- never, you know, back to the hotel, up in the morning, working, working, working. I've just never been that person. I mean, I never was either, which is probably why I'm uh, going on at 1 a.m. Still. <laughs> no, and I just think that's a different, you know, I don't know, a, a whatever personality type or whatever that is. I think there's something to that. Some people are just like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I you know, we all have different paths. Uh, right. I guess I, I'm happy with who I am as a comic, but, I, you know, I, sometimes I wish I would. I would have been a little more Whitney-like in terms of like a little more, uh, okay, I'm going to get some pussy tonight instead of I'm going to go home and write I compl- I've, I've a pitch. I've always gone the pussy route. And um, yeah, well, you know. Well, it's just, it's like the uh, that scene in Rockstar, which was a fairly forgettable movie. I loved it. It's one of those movies that angers me so much because it could have been great. It's the way I feel about the Kiss movie. Um Oh, now we're going to get going. I know, because it's, it's when I first read that they're going to make a movie uh, called Detroit Rock City. Is it Detroit Rock City? Is that what it's Detroit Rock City. And I'm like, oh, this is, what a great idea about a, some people got, trying to get a KISS concert. I thought it was going to be Dazed and Confused, like wow. that, that good. And it was just some weird, stupid comedy. You know, I almost, I'm one of the biggest kiss fans on earth mm-hmm. not so much in terms of buying the kiss coffins and right rubbers. i know them a little bit i know paul i know gene i know doc mcgee very well i, I that movie could have been like the beatles hard days night oh yeah and i i don't know where they i think they were having even problems back then with ace and peter yeah oh yeah 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 which uh you know i don't like to blame them for everything that's wrong in kiss land but uh I, and Adam Rifkin was like, the, you yeah. know, like that's big. Like he, he was in charge. So they had, I just don't know. Great I don't know. Soundtrack, what, good, good kiss covers, good bands doing. Yeah. Cheap covers. trick. Yeah, cheap T- trick. Ted Nugent. Um, yeah. No, actually Pantera did uh cat scratch fever. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's one of those ones where, I mean, I almost walked out. It was so bad. I agree. Um, I, I was so disappointed. And it's almost the same thing with Rockstar, Although, you know, the '80s were kind of a a goofy era, so I didn't mind Rockstar. Rockstar was like '90s, but they were goofing on that yeah. era because uh, it was a true story of Judas Priest, basically. I, I, yeah, yeah, right. Um, but I, I think they were buffooning a buff, a buffoonish era. Yes, um, agreed. Yeah, that one it just missed. You know, listen, musical music movies can miss. It's a hard thing to capture when you capture like 
rock and roll properly. And because first of all, I find actors playing musicians always looks cheesy as shit. Like Mark Wahlberg just looks, doesn't look like a rock star. You know, it just doesn't work. I kind of liked it because like to have Dominic West, who's like this he amazing was, yes. actor. Right. To have him utter a line with the word rat in it, I thought was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, he was he was good, but nobody knew who he was at that point. So he could he could, you know, almost be in like a disguise. I'm a wire guy, so like yeah. he was and uh, now he's on the, the affair, I think, on HBO. Yeah. He's he's very good. I can't watch shows that involve a storyline of cheating because it just brings up too many uh, That's all that show's about. I, you know, I was cheated on many moons ago. I, I've certainly cheated myself. Right. I'm not bragging about that. It's a horrible thing to do. But ever since I was cheated on, it was like, man, this sucks. Yeah. I get flashbacks. Yeah, no, it, it's a hard show to watch. I, I'm with you on that. You know, just uh, that's why some of the episodes of I'm Dying Up Here is like oh, comics trying to fuck another guy's, another comic's girlfriend. I can't, I got to turn the channel on. Yeah. And I think I'm in the next scene. I'm going to turn the channel. <laughs> I would never. How dare you? So we're going to end the Facebook Live. Oh, we, oh we're on Facebook Live? Well, I'd like okay. to tease it a little bit. Okay. Because then if people just watch the whole thing on Facebook Live. Yeah, how many people? They're not. You know, I, I don't know how to do that. Oh. I, right now, there's 70 people on Facebook really? well, Live. Well, that's, that's pretty good, actually. So for, just for the Facebook Live fans, not that you need any more followers, but where can people find you on social media? Uh, everything's Chris Frangiola, at Chris Frangiola on Twitter and Instagram and all that. Please become a fan. Follow and, me on uh, Instagram. I, I, I'm, I feel like I'm doing some quality stuff on that Instagram, day in and day out. And for uh, tour dates, uh, Frangiola.com. Frangiola.com has all my tour dates. And I'm out there a lot in the next couple of months. Please. Uh, Chris is legit one of the best dudes in not just L.A. comedy, but comedy, but Facebook Live. Thank you, Earl. As is Earl Skagel. You're going to have to listen to the rest of this on iTunes and SoundCloud. I love you all. It's a little teaser I like to give the fans. I love it. Now we're just audio only. All right. But what do you have coming up? I got Cleveland. Uh, I'm not sorry, not Cleveland. Uh, Cincinnati this weekend. Uh, I don't know how quickly you release these, but I'm at the Funny Bone in Cincinnati, which Liberty's Township or whatever. I haven't done that Funny Bone yet. And then I have a. I I am actually on a podcast with Heather McDonald, a very successful podcast called Juicy Scoop. It's all Heather. She does a the, you know a pop culture, and it's huge. And we tour with that podcast, and we're doing a bunch of theaters. And we're pretty much sold out already the entire summer. So uh, we're doing a theater tour with the, with the podcast. So you do like a live podcast? When, well, Friday night we do a live podcast. Saturday night we do stand-up. We do two nights. Well, if you need a podcast opener, inappropriate Earl, no, I don't know if I'd be the That's, best. But the great thing about these is if they get so big, you can take them on the road and people come. Like I weirdly, we've done a bunch and we do big venues and I find it to... I almost have to amp it up when I'm on stage doing it because I feel like it's boring for the audience. I'm like, God, is this boring? Just two of us sitting here as a standup. I'm like, I feel like I should getting, be getting to punchlines, but they enjoy it. They don't want punchlines. They like watching the, the podcast. Yeah. I mean, every podcast is different. Uh, you know, uh, I kind of model this one after Rogan's from, from the, I mean, who wouldn't want to model it after yeah, the number? That's the best one. But like, I love how he, you would think just on paper, he would just have UFC fighters on yeah. his comedy buddies, but he has like, you know, like, I don't know, flat earth people oh, on great. and, and yeah. like, uh, you know, it's, I like how he just doesn't have your 
typical what you think he would have on. Yeah. And how um, long have you been doing this? This will be episode 213. Oh, that's, a, that's a lot. What do you I, do, once a week? I, I try and do it once a week, to be honest with you. It's, it's whenever the person... Uh, it's like with you. You said Tuesday. So, you know, if you would have said Wednesday night, it would have been Wednesday night. Now, don't... Do you feel... What I've heard, and I don't know much about the podcast world, but I've heard that to you have to release them the same time every single week otherwise you kind of get lost in the crowd i mean i've studied it uh ideally you would love to introduce uh, introduce them uh release them say monday afternoon at 4 p.m so your whole fan base knows okay it's monday it's 4 p.m let's go to um right. but like with someone like you like i don't want to wait till next monday right to release this so i'm going to release it today literally this right. will be out in one hour okay um, now but in the case, from what I've heard from Heather, she does a she does Tuesday and Thursday are her release dates, and if she doesn't release one on a Thursday for whatever reason, she was on the road or something, people freak out. So she says, "It I have to release Tuesday and Thursday every week, otherwise it fucks it up." And I know people, not you, but I'm, other people who do podcasts, they do once, then they a month later they do another one, and I'm like, "Well, that that doesn't work." You know, uh, I get excited to do this i like to have you on it i was like fuck i love this dude you know we're around the same age so we probably gonna we vibe. seem to have very similar um likes as far as right. music and movies and, and shit like that i mean well you're one of the few people who's ever known who the vinnie vincent invasion were <laughs> i well i was like i was yeah, yeah, the Vinnie Vincent invasion. I mean, he got kicked out of the Vinnie Vincent invasion. <laughs> it was the Vinnie Vincent invasion. Yeah, I mean, that's insane. I, I might have been you who posted the pictures Probably. on your Facebook of him in like the black slacks and stuff. And I thought he was just one of those guys who aged into looking like a woman. No. Well, I mean, there's, you know, he hasn't officially come out. And for the record, I, I love him no matter what he or she is. I, right. Uh, you know, he, he was in like a Hillary Clinton pantsuit. Yeah, I saw it. And he had like tits. I know, but I thought it was just one of those guys who just gets that way. You know what I mean? It's just a bad choice of outfits. Well, he was but always... I, oh, absolutely. Well, guy or girl, that's not yeah. a good look. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and it, it, you know, it goes back to like not wanting to meet people from the 80s now. Like He posted a video of him at the Gene Simmons vault experience. Now, what was that? Gene Simmons came to your house to deliver? Oh, it's the best idea. Like, for two... I might not have the facts right. It's $20,000. It's two... Oh, I wish it was 20. I would already would have done it. Oh. It's two... For two grand, you get the basic vault experience, which is... You can literally... I, I believe it's something along the lines of... You can meet Gene Simmons at a recording studio, listen to two songs... And he'll talk to you for like 20 minutes. Yeah. But for 50 grand, he will hand deliver it to your home and hang out with you for two hours. Yeah, this is. And they posted clips. Some guy in Miami did it and he lucked out because Gene brought Ace with him. Oh, I thought they were. Are they still on speaking terms? Well, I think they're gearing up. I don't think Peter Chris will ever play in Kiss again, but I think. Uh, supposedly next year it's their last tour no i've gone to five yeah. farewell tours yeah i went to their you know and this is the thing that sucks about being a fan in 95 you know they got back together yeah. the makeup i'm like this was is that it. dodger stadium halloween night no that was 98 great show you oh yeah that the, show? i didn't like the three i sat next to a baseball player a very famous pitcher baltimore yeah. orioles i'm a hockey guy but uh 
God, it's McDonald or something. And he was in heaven. It was so weird to sit yeah. next to someone who's a star in their world, have these shitty 3D glasses on going, this is great. <laughs> yeah, it was just kind of a fun night. I remember it being Halloween and all that shit. But I remember the Smashing Pumpkins coming out dressed as the Beatles. Beatles, that was wild, yeah. Um, but for 50 grand, he comes to your house and delivers it. And he posted this clip of some guy in Miami did the 50 grand. And uh, it was kind of sad, like... Ace is like hunched over yeah. like this. He's literally, if you didn't know who he was, you like, you would have thought he just picked up the guitar for the first time. Right. And then Vinny uh, met Gene at uh, something Gene did in Nashville. And it was kind of sad. Like it made me like. Now, is that just, now I feel like that, hap is this just hard living? Is that just hard? Because I mean, honestly, Ace really is not that old, but I feel like it's, all of these guys are just so fucking, you know, in such terrible shape. Well, with Ace, it's that. With Vinny, I don't know if he or she was a, a drinker. Uh, you know, that his life was so, like, you know, his first wife was an escort in Connecticut and was found, like, chopped up. Uh, there was that incident where the cops stormed his home and he had a bunch of dead dogs in Tupperware containers because he loved them so much. He didn't want to like, yeah. And I'm the biggest dog lover. I sleep. If you're ever in my bedroom, but not in like a weird way. <laughs> right. I have four boxes on my uh, dresser of my deceased dogs. They're ashes. Right. So I kind of get, but I wouldn't like, I cremated them. Yeah, yeah. Like, I wouldn't have them in Tupperware containers under my Still bed. Still fucked up, but not as Right. Up. Yeah. Uh, so he's a very... And he disappeared for, like, 20 years. Like, just went off the grid. I mean, now, so... Now, how does a guy like that make money? That's I always think, like, is, does this guy have any money? Well, I mean, I can tell you how he made $150 off of Earl Skakel. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's how you, the guys, a guy like that's got to make money. Well, he put out a box set, I think, in the early 2000s on cassette. Wow. Which should have been the first red flag. <laughs> so I ordered it. Okay. And uh, I get this really cool box set in the mail. It's like a pink flying V guitar case type of, like a miniature. And I'm like, wow, this is great packaging, but. You know, it feels a little light. I, you know, I'm shaking it and I'm not hearing any rattling. <laughs> it's one cassette. No, it's empty. Oh, really? So, you know, and Just I'm... by mistake? Oh, I don't believe so. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, you know, he, he ripped off all these fans charging 150 bucks for this. Now he's coming back and it's... You couldn't have you or me or Galern or anyone write this... His solution to this problem, because, you know, he's he's coming into the public eye again, is, well, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to give you two box sets. It's like, I just want the one I paid for. Yeah, right. <laughs> 20 years ago. What am I going to uh, do with a second one? That's uh, amazing. So I just find his story. I pitched Russell Peters. By the way, I'm trying to get Russell Peters to do the Gene Simmons vault experience at my home. That'd be amazing. Well, what you can do is, you have a maximum of 25 of your friends. Yeah. So I would love for Russell to uh, give me a $50,000 loan and then invite the 25 biggest kiss losers and force Gene to sit with them. Oh, I should have called. 
You know, Nixon, I know Nick a little bit. He called me one day to try and get into the comedy store to see Doug Stanhope. Oh, okay. And I didn't know anybody at the comedy store, so I, uh, who did I call? And he was actually very nice. And he wound up getting him in, but I should have called you. I could have arranged that. Nick's, yeah. I, I love him because he, you could tell he's just a comedy fan. Yeah, he loves it. And like he, uh, I remember one night I was bombing in the original room. I mean, just not doing well. And there was only one person in the back laughing at my 80s metal jokes. Yeah. And at the end, this tall dude, and it's like, Jesus Christ, this guy looks like a young Gene Simmons. And yeah. it was Nick. Uh, it couldn't have been any nicer. Yeah, he's and, a nice uh, guy. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Good for Gene for making... What I love about Gene is he's honest with who he is. Yeah, that's his thing. I love money. I love pussy. Right. I have a wife. She knows the deal. You know, I appreciate his honesty. Right. Now, a couple of years ago, this is my good kiss story. I have a few good kiss stories, but a couple of years ago, I go to see them. Not a couple of years ago. It's 10 maybe years ago. They're playing a casino out in fucking like Palm Springs area. I forget the... Aquacaliente. No, not Aquacaliente, but along those lines. It was like the Sogs. Something with an S. I forget it. Anyway, it was... A, first of all, I thought it was an odd venue for them because at that point, they were doing kind of a big tour. I think... So sure, but they're full... You know, it's... it's At this point, it's um, Tommy Thayer and... and uh, Eric Singer. Eric Singer, yeah. Um, so... Uh, the, I'm backstage with them. I, I knew a girl who worked for Doc McGee. I dated a girl who was Doc McGee's assistant. So I would always get backstage and all the crazy shit. So I'm back there and they're all in their gear. They're putting on their gear and they're all in their shit. And I'm like real close to them, which is the first time I'd ever been that close to them in their fucking gear, which is wild. You know, Gene Simmons is now six feet eight with the boots on and shit. And Oh, there's, there's some scuttlebutt backstage, but and sure enough, Peter uh, Paul Stanley left. He was felt sick and he drove off, got into a limo and drove away. And so now they're like, "Well, we have to cancel the show. Paul is gone." They're all backstage saying this. So uh, the three of them talk, and they're like, "We'll play without Paul Stanley tonight." Wow. And so the, so Doc McGee goes out on stage and he says to these people, uh, hey, everybody, I have an announcement to make. Paul Stanley is not here. We could do two things. We could cancel the show or we could go on with the three of them. And everyone, of course, cheers for the three of them. And the show continues. And Gene did all the singing. He sang all the Paul songs and he sang everything. And <laughs> that was it. And I, from what I heard is... Yeah, Paul. They got into a fight, and Paul just said, "I'm gone. Fuck you." And that was the end of it. Well, I mean, first of all, I love Gene's voice. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was great. He was actually, you know, he's kind of a funny guy on stage too. So some of the things he said in between songs were kind of funny. And yeah, he's got a natural uh, sense of humor that I don't know if Paul does. Like I read Paul's book, and it kind of like I'm a huge fan. These guys could virtually do no wrong to me. Yeah. Paul and they've just, done some wrong. Oh, I mean, they're a band that if they would have made a couple decisions or not made, I think they could have been even bigger. Yeah. Like, uh, they, to me, they always seem to follow 
Like if disco was in, they put the disco album out. Which I loved. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's a weird, I guess it's almost like a comic selling out. It's like Kiss is not a disco band. Yeah. But Paul and Desmond Child, who I'm, I'm obsessed with Desmond Child. Yeah. I mean, how many straight men have the Desmond Child box set? <laughs> Did it, was, it, was it actually stuck? There was actually a four okay. CD. I'll give Mr. Child that. Uh, I mean, but like, and then in the 80s, the cars were coming along, and I think someone put it in Kiss's ears. You got to have keyboards and backing vocals. And so Unmasked was basically a Cars album. And that's Lick It Up. and No, that's, uh, it, they had a stretch Heaven's of five. Fire. That's Animalize. Okay. Uh, but then Pink Floyd did The Wall, and I think someone put it in Kiss's ear. You got to do a, like a concept album to show how smart you are, and they did The Elder. The Elder, yeah. Um, which might have been the death of them in America. And then Judas Priest and Iron Maiden were getting big, and you got to do a, just go back to your rock roots. So they put out Creatures of the Night, and then, you know, Lick It Up was like Vinnie Vincent. Like, you yeah. need to have a shredder on guitar, A Saint. He ain't going to carry into the 80s. And then uh, Benny got kicked out. Yeah. And then they brought in Mark St. John. Best Kiss album. You know, this. I'm going to lose listeners. I love Kiss in the 80s. To me, it's Crazy Nights, which is insane to say that. That is insane to say that. But You're going to put Crazy Nights over Rock and Roll Over? I... Since I grew, I, mean, I was born in '68. I, I was in, in the '70s. I, I Kiss was the Beatles, but I Lick It Up was like the first album I bought. Yeah, like uh, to me, almost in a weird way, Vinny was the first guitar player in Kiss because I identified with buying that album, going, "Who's this guy?" Uh, but crazy, I'm a like a Bon Jovi. I love those gay, uh, you know, the Poison, the Bon Jovi. Me too. Oh, so. To me, Crazy Nights was Kiss trying to be all those things. Yeah. You know, they they had Desmond Child basically wrote the album. Ron Nevison, who had resurrected Hart's career. Uh, With some terrible songs. But that's my favorite era of yeah. Hart. Really? Because that was the MTV Hart. Yeah. Uh, you know, right. Alone and... The Long uh, Jackets. And, yeah, they yeah. look like gay pirates. <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, mm -hmm. I tend to like the worst eras in bands. Um, that's that's a good thing, though. That's a good. I mean, I. Uh, but you now you can't say Bon Jovi is better with whatever he's doing now than Slippery One Wet and New Jersey and you know Fahrenheit, whatever that is, eighteen hundred Fahrenheit, or whatever. I, that's my favorite. My favorite. The video. The first video I really ever like. It was like, wow, I like this MTV thing was Runaway. Bon Jovi's. No, it's even worse than that. Bon Jovi's She Don't Know Me. Oh, what a great song. Which might have been the worst plot <laughs> to a video. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I know pro wrestling's fake, but yeah. I still like a little bit of realism. Sure. Uh, I know Kane and The Undertaker aren't brothers. <laughs> I like to believe it. So at the end of She Don't Know Me, when Bon Jovi saves the girl from being, I think, sexually assaulted by the two Mexican gangbangers, it's like, this is not very believable. God, I don't know if I know that video. I I, I picked him up on, uh, you know, Runaway. Well, it's yeah. the same album. Yeah. Uh, and I know the song very well. Well, it's a great song. If you don't see the video, you're like, okay, but you see the video, it kills it for you because he's in these bizarrely tight skinny jeans i mean 
in these brown boots and a jean, you know, stonewashed jean jacket. And here are these two gangbangers are about to do whatever with this girl and just Bon Jovi comes crashing through the bar doors with his chest out and they get scared and run off. It's wow. like, wow, I'll uh, have to find this. I'll Google it. Oh, please, YouTube it. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's probably, you, you know, that was before they were, you know, really that big. I mean, that's yeah. when Rat was, they were opening for Rat. Yeah, I saw them open for Judas Priest, I think, at the, at the garden. Um, and then right after that, they blew up. Right after that was, uh, you know, Oh. Slippery on wet hit, and they were just. Well, I mean, living on a prayer was. That's probably the second video. I was like, wow, this is a great. This is a great medium for. Yeah. You know them to. I mean, it's just they they blew up and. Uh, well, slippery when wet. I mean, I I I'm not fucking around. I'll put that against, and this is people will hate me for saying this. I'll put it against fucking Sergeant Pepper's for me. Like, oh, absolutely. I listen to it every single day, ten times a day. I had it. On in every form of album, cassette, CD, I bought it ten thousand different times in ten thousand different ways. It just every song gets better. Well, it's perfect. I mean, Desmond Child. I don't know if they are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame without Desmond Child writing those songs. Yeah, because uh, it's just something he brought to the table of, um, you know, knowing the poppy hook and. Uh, they were a great team and and i mean in some ways they were lucky to pop right when mtv was probably in its prime 86 ish 87 um they were all good looking dudes maybe the keyboard player was a little green around the gills <laughs> brian what is his name keith brian or uh, keith? david keith david, uh, david, david brian yeah that's it david brian i'm obsessed with the guy uh alec john such kicked out of the band early on yeah he, he says he left but they brought him back for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, they did. And, you know, comics get fucked in many ways. Uh, you know, you write jokes for someone, they get the credit for being, wow, that's a great joke. Uh, Hugh McDonald has been in Bon Jovi as the bass player since 23 years. Yeah. And yet everyone is still like, who's that? Where's, <laughs> yeah. Where's Alec John Subs? Right. And Alec John Such really was in Bon Jovi for six years. Yeah, but he was in all the videos. But he was in the prime. Yeah, yeah, he was in the prime. What's that guy, like the guy, the black guy from the Rolling Stones? I was just thinking that when you were saying it. I'm like, the black guy in the Rolling Stones has been in the Rolling Stones for 30 years. Daryl, Daryl, say Daryl Jones. Jones. I, I might be. Daryl uh, Jones too, yeah. But there's a guy you know goes into bars. I don't know if he's married now, but probably yeah. getting pussy and going, hey, I'm the bass player in the Rolling Stones. And yeah. like, no, you're not. Yeah, no, you're not you're Bill black. Wyman. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I just always felt so like, so on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for Bon Jovi, they have both bass players on. And I don't know when the last time Alec John Such picked up a bass, but even in my untrained years, it was like, dude, dude, did you forget the songs? Well, that's what I had heard they fired him in the first place for because you know Bon Jovi. I, I saw an interview with Bon Jovi saying they just heard like some things in the in the studio, like this guy just can't play bass. Well, it's like Peter Chris was really, uh, I guess, a nightmare in the studio to to do an album because he couldn't play the same thing twice. Yeah, and uh, you know someone like Bob Ezrin who's right. like worked with Zeppelin. It's like a uh, dude, uh, we're going to have to use a click track for you. Uh, and so I, I think it's probably similar with Alec John such, uh, or, 
to much lesser degree because he's a very good bass player, Rudy Sarzo. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was in all the videos for Quiet Riot, but yeah. he never played a note on their albums. Oh, really? Yeah, it was Chuck Wright. Have you watched that documentary, by the way? It's kind of a sad... You know, I did. I, 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 did. I, uh, I watched it for a bizarre reason because they... I'll give Quiet Riot this. I'm a fan of anyone who is a survivor in whatever business they're in. Right. You know, when I see I a, agree. you know, and what most people would say, a hacky comic still playing Vegas. Oh yeah. I'm a fan. Oh, to stay in, in this somehow business. in this business is I oh, more power to them. You know, to see, I, I, I'm just going to say carrot top. I, I don't think he's, I, I love what he does. Right. Uh, still make millions or whatever he makes. I think it's great. I think guys like that almost, they stay around long enough, quite right include, and they eventually become, like, I, I don't think Carrot Top is, is the joke anymore. I think now he's kind of almost respected. Yeah. I think people like him now. For being a survivor. Yeah, for being a survivor, for being, yeah, fuck it's, it. It's like Kiss. Kiss yeah. is like basically turning into the Jewish Menudo. I mean, yeah, they, they, right. Because I know Eric Singer, like, he has to dumb down his playing in Kiss. Yeah. Playing in Kiss for Eric Singer is like hitting pots and pans. I used to see him play up the street here at that thing called Star Fuckers. Yeah, with the it Slim Jim. Phantoms bar. And I went in there one night. It fucking CC DeVille used to play with them all the time. I love him. It was Thursday nights, I think. And I used to work right down the street, so I'd walk up Thursday nights. And then one night I go in there and fucking Brian May is in that little tiny bar playing with that band. Yeah. It was uh, crazy. You you know you think that's the guy from you know Kiss. How how can he play with Brian May? That's Brian May's go to drummer. Yeah, when he's not in Kiss or Alice right. Cooper. So and CC Deville, I just I met him once at Mel's Diner, and I'm like, that's a guy who gets it. Like I'm like, hey man, uh, I loved your cover of We're an American Band, and he looks at me and goes, Well, how'd you get it? It's not out yet. I'm like, um, I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I illegally downloaded it. And I went to give him a dollar just to like yeah. soothe the tension. He looks at me and goes, don't worry about it. That's how I get my music too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I that guy, he got up at that thing and he wailed on that fucking guitar. Oh, he's like, that's a dude like, I, you know, I brought up like me kind of selling out with Roast Battle. It's not my normal sense yeah. of humor. CC DeVille is a classically trained guitar player. Right. Yeah. Like he grew up idolizing Randy Rhodes. Yeah. So I'm sure at some point he's like, well, there's not really a lot of money in doing Beethoven and Bach on the guitar. Right. I'm going to dye my hair blonde and play a pink guitar, and I want to be that guy. And now he's a millionaire. Yeah, not a bad band. But the, the Quiet Riot documentary I loved because they did a Kickstarter for it. Yeah. And usually I'm anti-Kickstarter. It's like if I oh, want. I'm very anti-Kickstarter. Yeah. Well, I just like I, I think it's ripping off your fans. It's yeah. like uh, I would love to have people pay for me to do a comedy album, but it's like if I want to do one, buck up and pay for it yourself. Yeah. Uh, but quite right, did a Kickstarter, and you know how Kickstarter works for you know hundred dollars, you get a signed drumstick. Mm -hmm. Five hundred, you get a I don't know your name and I don't know an album or something. But for ten thousand dollars. You could actually be in the documentary. In what capacity? Well, that's why I watched the documentary. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I want to see what $10,000 got somebody. Because it was bought. 
And I don't know if you remember this part, but there's about, about a little over 80% of the documentary, there's a clip where they interview this Quiet Riot fan. He's a lawyer. I think I remember. Yeah. And, and it's like, that's the guy. Yeah. So the next day I started the Kickstarter to do a documentary about that guy. <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, that, I, I would watch that. Well, it was kind of sad. You, you know, it became to me too much about the drummer. Yeah. Which I get it. It's, I think he's... Uh, it was an interesting story because, you know, I thought it... I liked it because it showed that a guy like that, like he doesn't really have any money. Like he's got a daughter, he's divorced, he's living in kind of a modest home, you know, and he's, you know, they're doing it, you know, at this point, whatever they were doing, you know, uh, festival tour, you know, a tour right. of like... Uh, and I thought that was interesting. I'm like, yeah, that's how he, I guess he makes whatever five grand a, a gig or if that. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, cause that's a band who, uh, you know, on their first album was the only metal album to debut at number one, which is pretty impressive. Is that metal health or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, uh, that, that's pretty wild feat but they made no money on that album you know they yeah. got fucked on the you know guns right. and roses probably didn't make that much on appetite no that's why some of these guys like you see you know when 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 guns stops you know slash goes right out to tour with some other thing and i'm like well of course slash has five homes he probably never made that much money up until probably this tour is probably when he made the big money oh yeah i mean like my friend drums for him when he's not in guns and roses yeah and they play overseas. They play stadiums. Like, yeah. Uh, and it's you know, Piercy probably makes more money. To, to I'm not comparing his. It's probably much less than Slash, but like Piercy plays the whiskey with him and his four ba solo bandmates. Probably makes more money than he would playing a rat show. Oh yeah. Because he's got to split it with Dean Martini yeah. and, and uh, mm -hmm. the bass player Juan. Uh, so that's wild to me how. You, you know so i'm sure quite right like they had one hit album really and that was it you know they, they had a pretty steady decline after metal health uh because they weren't the best looking band no and then what's his face was you know he was all sorts of problems but well he talked you know and you've probably seen this in the comedy world because uh, I've certainly seen it uh, he, he was very cocky very dismissive of yeah. like he would shit on rat he was shit on Motley Crue, uh, you know, uh, and, and Rat did the same, you know, you know, and it was like, fuck you guys. We'll just go with Bon Jovi. They're yeah. better looking. They might not be as good musically as you. Right. And, and, you know, you've seen comics burn bridges. Oh, I, I remember one time years ago watching like some spring break MTV thing and Soul Asylum was playing. And uh, remember that band Soul Asylum? You know? Runaway Train. Runaway Train. And they, uh, great song. And, and. They're they're talking about whatever I guess they're about to, and they're about to do a festival or something. And the headliner of that festival happened to be Aerosmith, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we got to uh, open for Aerosmith." Like, and they started shitting on Aerosmith. I'm like, whoa, 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 Soul Asylum. Now you could shit on some other bands of your ilk, but you certainly can't shit on Aerosmith. And I, I mean, I think that was like the end of them. It was you know a huge thing people were watching and I think well you just shit on Aerosmith that's the end of your fucking career yeah so. I mean it, it's I mean I remember an interview with Robin Crosby from Rat uh, dearly departed uh, and uh, he, you could tell he was pretty out of his mind in this interview and they said uh, the interviewer was just throwing him a softball like hey who who what bands are you watching 
And he's like, I had no competition with yeah. the Zeppelin of the 80s. And, uh, you know, I'll write it out to him being gacked out of his mind. Right. But, you know, it's like, you, you can't say shit like that. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, unless you're a Zeppelin I mean, or the Beatles, maybe you can kind of talk a little shit. But, I mean, I've seen it in the comedy world. You know, And those guys don't even talk shit. Like, even Paul McCartney, you never see Paul McCartney saying, well, I'm Paul McCartney. Yeah, he doesn't have to. Yeah. It's like, we know. Right. Uh, even Guns N' Roses was like, you know, Axel and his, uh, you know, interesting way of, you know, almost an autistic way of dealing with people. Yeah. Uh, just being holed up in Malibu, uh, you know, it's like even they probably took it on the chin because of their cockiness. and Yeah. How do they function day to day now? Are they still, I mean, the do they even speak or is it they just hit the stage, do the show and leave? I mean, I have no, even though my friend drums for Slash, I, I have no inside knowledge, but I did see them at the forum and it was, I'll give them this. It's a four hour show. Yeah. In my opinion, it's too long. Uh, I I think, you know, because they do like seven songs off of Chinese democracy. I know. Yeah, that's what I've heard. But you could tell that's Axel's way to, to duff and slashing. Fuck you. Right. You're, you're going to play these songs at, I had to carry this band while you guys were doing whatever you were doing. Yeah. Um, and in a four-hour show, I can count the times on three fingers that they looked or interacted with each other, the original three. Yeah. Uh, and it was, so it's kind of a bummer. Like, it's like you could tell they don't like each other or they have problems or whatever. Right. Uh, the other members, like the drummer, is so fucking happy to be there. That's it's not Matt Sorum, is it? No, it's Frank Ferrer, who's okay. you know, it, it's kind of like the uh, Hugh McDonald situation of Frank's been with Axel's Guns N' Roses since uh 2005, 2004. Yeah. So he's been in Guns N' Roses for 11 years, right? But everyone still wants Adler, yeah. And there's no way Adler can do a tour. No, he lives in my neighborhood. I see him walking around town in his socks, sweetest guy, sweetest guy. I, I mean, I don't know if he's sweet because his mind is kind of gone or. He just seems, but you know, I think he's at a better place now. I used to live. I don't know why I'm going to give the exact intersection. Uh, <laughs> Century, like Brody Stevens, yeah, he does, yeah, three one zero Century City, Sepulveda and Brian. Maybe Brody's influencing me. He lived. I lived on a condo in Century Park East in Olympic, and it's two twenty-one story buildings. Uh, it was a wild. It was like an open mic of freaks in this place. You had the. Original girl from King Kong, Faye Ray. Oh, the real yeah. Faye Ray. She she was my neighbor. Like she, we both well, lived she must on have the hundred. She was around this time. I would say in the eighties, and yeah. still beautiful. Like yeah. in a non-sexual, like just for an, a person in their eighties, she was beautiful. Yeah, and uh, I remember when the ninety-four earthquake hit. Our building was on rollers. So the building literally for two hours swayed side to side and oh. she was panicked. And I just, you know, I'm, I was bombing even before I started doing comedy. I'm like, Hey, I think he's coming back for you. Yes. <laughs> horrible. Yeah, you know what? I was thinking the same thing when you said it. So. I, you know, yeah. I just thought I'm going to try and make her, you know, I learned how to bomb very early on. <laughs> uh, but Steven Adler was in that building. Oh, okay. And, the security guards loved him because there was always a problem with him. Oh, he would yeah. run around the hallway naked going, they're in there, they're in there. Earl, he, for some reason he liked me and we'd go in there with the security guards. There'd be no one in the apartment, but 
you know, paraphernalia. Of, yeah. Uh, and it's like, fuck, dude, what are you doing, man? He was asking me for 10 bucks. I'm like, he'd sit in the, uh, the lobby of this. I, I wouldn't say it was a rich person's building, but it was a, a well-to-do building. He'd be in his leggings with holes in them. Yeah. Socks and some ratty t-shirt. And you would just thought he was homeless. Yeah. Like, he, he walks around Studio City now and socks and stuff. I mean, but, you know, seems like a nice guy. The, the neighborhood seems to uh, accept him. Well, he's a he's a kid at heart. Yeah. Like, he's like, and I'm sure he's bummed out that like, oh man, I could be in Guns N' Roses touring the world. Did he ever play with this new... I thought one night he went up with them. Did he go up with them at, at Dodger Stadium or... I, I missed the show. Uh, I also saw them at Dodger Stadium, which was a cool show. Was, uh, once again, it was like a three and a half hour show. I thought it was too long. Uh, but for people in their age range, mid-50s, the original three, yeah, it's, it's like, okay, I got my money's worth. Um, but uh, he played the night before. Two songs. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he's right. just not in the condition. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the big drummer is like he's a great drummer. It's not Guns N' Roses. And uh, I'm not a drummer, but I mean that's exhausting. Fucking. Yeah, I mean t- to do a four hour show, uh, probably three or four a week. Yeah. Uh, I I just don't think he could do it. No. Um I mean, uh, so that's why all those guys, all the the Tommy Lee's and the Taylor Hawkins, they all have a similar like sinewy like body type i think there's no better workout than fucking drumming for four hours no i mean i mean eric singer of kiss is he's in his mid-50s he looks great yeah i mean uh, these guys that i mean that's that's a fucking i mean uh frank from guns and roses frank like i know uh i mean he's a bigger dude but he's like almost an in-shape fat guy like Like, honestly even ringo star is still for almost 80 years old is still in pretty good shape and Slash looks good yeah. for a guy who has a pacemaker. It's unbelievable how some of these guys, I know, look at, I mean, Iggy Pop, of course, but even the Rolling Stones, fuck, man. I mean, Keith Richards is in good shape. You know, the face is a little rough. But the face is 80, you know? But I wonder, like, when they do a photo shoot for a new album, if the hair and makeup people just look at him and go, you're good. But it's also Keith Richards. Like, I, thank thank God for like Keith Richards. And I think in a way, um, you know, like some of these guys just they didn't get the work done. Paul McCartney even Paul McCartney doesn't really have any work done. He looks kind of like an old woman, you know. So that's kind of nice to see just the those guys. Just I think the English don't do like the Americans do. Well, I love what, people with character. Like, you, I wouldn't want to see Keith Richards with Botox. No. I wouldn't like Axel. It, I don't know what he's had done. I would guess the minimum cheek implants, Botox, eyes lifted. It's like, dude, you don't look like Axel. Right. You look, yeah. And the hair. Yeah. Like you I look know. like Greg Allman, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. with a thyroid condition. And like <laughs> and I'm not clowning on it. I mean, right. I guess I am, but like I think I wanna I, I would I don't care if you have wrinkles. I wanna yeah. see you. Yeah, we get it. Uh, Alice Cooper. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean yeah. I'm assuming he's had some something with the hair, but like, fuck, I don't mind. No, Alice uh, Cooper still looks. Uh, he came out in that. I was watching that live. Um, Jesus Christ, super. How was that? You know, it was it was fine. Um, you know, I'm a bit of a fan of that show, so uh, I mean, I know the music and stuff. So it was hard to. They just don't work on television these shows. But he comes out, and you know, he's he's a little feeble now, and uh, it was interesting to see. It wasn't uh, he. He wasn't in his proper. Alice Cooper world. 
I mean, I see him in concert whenever he's in town because my friend Nita plays guitar for him. Okay. And for a guy his age, you know, he does it right. He does like an hour and a half. Yeah. His band is super tight. Uh, and it's a fun show. Like, oh, I'm sure. Like he... I mean, he has all the shit on stage. And... Yeah, I mean, it's it's more theatric. I mean, the music's good. I, I mean, I love his music, but like, it's more like, hey, you're going to come here, you're going to see me chop the head off a nurse, and, you know, the drummer's... He's a showman. Yeah. And, you know, Nita's beautiful, but she can play with any guy on earth. Right. Uh, and the bass player's wearing like this uh, Fred Flintstone, you know type of wool vest and like it's good does he do that slow song that he did in the 70s uh only women bleed no 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 the one was like a big hit for alice cooper uh, i mean he does the standard hits yeah but this is like a big hit for them what, what is it uh, on tv what is it you know what i'm talking about I, you know he but doesn't do many slow songs are. what we are is what we are he probably does. Like uh you know, he does you know all the he he does all the seventies stuff. Yeah. He, he does a couple songs from the eighties, which you know, going back to that's my favorite era. The uh poison lips venomous poison. Yeah. And well I liked him in the eighties when he had that uh guitar player Kane Roberts, who was a bodybuilder. <laughs> oh yes, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had the bazooka guitar. <laughs> <laughs> and like but he's a great guitar player like uh he never got the credit because he looked like rambo yeah uh but you know that goes to back to what some fans would consider alice selling out trying to sound like bon jovi yeah and of course he had desmond child writing right. you know those songs so all roads lead back to desmond that child seems to yeah um well chris we're about the two-hour mark. Oh my God! Are you serious? That yeah, this is you, we can't put people through this. We can't. Unfortunately for me, since I'm a one-man operation, once it goes after two hours, the sound file splits. Okay. Well, you know what? Let we can call it then because we've done all we can do here. I think we can, but I think we could probably go on more. But my goal is for everyone to go. We want Chris back at some point. Uh, and I would love to have you back. Oh, and, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we could sit and talk about this forever. You know? I, I really could. I mean, I, the Quiet Ride documentary. Uh, we haven't scratched Twisted Sister from my hometown of Long Island and a few others that I'd, I'd like to hear your opinions on. Well, I got more phone calls the other night. I got about 10 phone calls, texts, messages, even one on MySpace. People were freaking out. Dee Snyder was at the comedy store. Oh, really? And I didn't have a spot that night, but they were going to throw me on anyway. And you know me, I'll, I'll perform at yeah. you know, Bob's Chuckle Hut. <laughs> As well. Uh, and I just missed him. So, because uh, I'm obsessed with, it, this once again goes back, my favorite Twisted Sister album is Love is for Suckers. <laughs> which. No, a, another decent documentary, We Are Twisted Sister, or whatever. And you watched it. I thought it was too long. It was too long. It was just basically, yeah, it was, I, I started to lose interest and I'm into it. I'm a huge Twisted Sister fan. And yeah. once it goes back to them still touring to some degree, I'm a fan. Yeah. You had your only basically hit in 83. It's 2018 and you're still making money. Mm hmm. I'm good with that, Dude, but I kid, I went to see a Christmas show that he did in New York about five years ago. Yeah, House of Blues. Yeah, yeah, Decent Christmas thing. It was great. I yeah, they did. Uh, for those of you wondering what the hell we're talking about, Twisted Sister, 
did a Christmas album where they would take a, a traditional Christmas song like Jingle Bells and turn it into We're Not Gonna Take It. Yeah. With the Jingle Bells lyrics. And they did a video uh, for one of the songs. And then he made it an annual thing in New York. He would do it for a week and... Uh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I'm a, you know... Uh, anyway. But, you know, Twisted... I just thought it was like, okay, two and a half hours on Zeppelin, I could see... Even Kiss, yeah, uh, I could, you know, because they, but, but you know, when you're a band that's pretty much had one big album, and then, yeah, you know, what kill? I was telling someone last night this, and they didn't believe me, but you know, MTV was so big that if you did one shitty video, it could ruin you. And oh, they, Billy Squire, yeah, yeah, that's a guy who was an incredible rocker, yeah, and he did Great. that video. Where it's a great song where he danced around yeah, very, and it's like, very effeminately. His balls are hanging out yeah. of his unitard. And it's like, wow, this, how can you be a rocker? And yeah. And uh, Twisted Sister did a cover, uh, Leader of the Pack. Oh, I remember it well. Oh, a terrible video. Yes. Some stand up uh, overlings were in it. Bobcat Goldthwait was in it. Yes, that's right. That's if you right. saw the long form, you know, there's, a, you know, obviously yeah, the yeah, th- yeah, yeah, yeah. he was like the wacky school teacher <laughs> and Luke Perry was one of the students. Wow. Um, I'm such a fan of people's first roles. Uh, that's a good thing that you, that, that should be this podcast. People's uh, first roles. You get them on here. Well, I would love to get uh, people from the Pat Benatar video shadows of the night. Great Bill- song. Who's in it? Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton was in everything back then. He plays the Nazi sound guy. Wow. And Judge Reinhold was one of really? the allied pilots. <laughs> Running with the shadows, shadows of, of the, the night. night. My One of my favorite podcast guests ever is I had the original bass player who wrote that song. He's like, I'm going to reach out to this guy. He's probably not. Yeah. He's going to tell me to fuck off. Not only did he come on, but he brought his bass guitar toward the end of the podcast. I'm like, hey, Roger, I'm, it's kind of a fantasy of mine, but if you play bass, can I sing Shadows of the Night? Wow. And he started, it was. That's uh, great. Uh, 20 years in, I should be excited about something else. But <laughs> no, no. Chris. No. That's, uh, what, a, what a pleasure. What a pleasure. I don't want to say it too many times, but Thank it's, you for it's me. so fucking neat for me to be around someone who's successful, nice. And continued success. Thank you, sir. You too. I'm sorry that you've gone from Chelsea lately to inappropriate Earl. <laughs> That's the way this business works, but I'm happy to do both. It's like when I saw the drummer from ACDC and ACDC, a cover <laughs> band. I'm like, dude, you're you're going backwards, bro. For the iTunes fans, where can they find you? Uh, Frangiola.com. Everything's there. And Twitter and Instagram. Old Frank Chris Frangiola. And the iTunes podcast with Heather McDonald. That is called Juicy Scoop. Listen to that. You'll love it. Please support Heather. Support Chris. Uh, I can't say this enough. It's so rare to find someone you respect as a comic and as a person in this business. Thank you, Of sir. fucking vultures and animals. I love your Twitter when you go after local uh, LA comics. It's my favorite. It's too real. It's, it's too so real. Great. I, it's great. It's born out of frustration. Like yeah. yesterday I saw a tweet from an unnamed comic. It was seven hot chicks. Oh, I know. I, I commented on it as well. And so I love it. So did Galern. Galern wrote to come and laugh and then jerk off. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the guy actually. I know, so do I. He's I, harmless. Yeah. But it's like, dude, 
Can you be a little less obvious? It was ridiculous. It, Everybody it, was goofing on it. It, it was ridiculous. And, you know, I'll see you at the Laugh Factory with those lineups. I mean, what is this? America's <laughs> top model at I the know, Laugh Factory. Ridiculous. I'll see you at Jeremy Piven's house. <laughs> we'll have John Mayer. Oh, my God. That's a crazy thing, though. If there was a tour right now, Jeremy Piven, John Mayer, and you, you would be the opener. Oh, totally. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. See, we could go on. Yeah. I don't want to get bitter. It's too late. Chris Franchola, please follow him. He doesn't need the seven Twitter followers. I'll He's going to. I'll take it. Well, I'm going to take the followers I'm getting from him. It's okay. cold business. Yeah, it is. Inappropriate Earl SoundCloud and iTunes. Thank you, guys.